lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 251. On tonight's episode, the Manlings are going to talk about the sons of Behamat, the giant, giant Gargan things that just are huge and monstrous, and you only fight like four of them because they count for a billion of them. It sounds like fun. Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage Tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, perhaps have a laugh too along the way, bringing you the fee, fi, fo, and occasional thumb. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm David Whitek. And here we are, man. Here we are, bringing the Sons of Bayamot some new lore. New lore, Alex. Alex, there is new lore to be had. Yes. I'm so excited about this. I am so excited about this. You have no... Yeah, you could call it that way. Big deal. See, I, I see what you're doing there. I get you. I totally get you there. Oh, oh, so oh, it's fairly obvious, but that's okay. Well, you know what? You take it where you can get it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh, I'm so excited about this book. I mean, I'm excited about every book, but I'm really jazzed about this book because it's something new. We were talking about it right before the show started, and it's like, oh, new. Lore, new stuff to sink your teeth into, new stuff to tread through, new stuff to tear through, and I am I'm just psyched. But before that, we stick our foot in it. <laughs> yes. So Ugh. before we dip our toes in the waters, ooh, that's <laughs> a, yeah, this is gonna be one of those episodes, folks. Dude, they're All so right. easy. Even I got them. Yeah, I just got to keep it underfoot. Anyway, um, so, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore. Yep. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs. And big shout out to Kevin and Brad because they are helping me. And we can't even really talk about it this episode because... Um, I, I, we're not. T- we're just talking Sons of Bayamot, so I can't even talk about. I'm actually going to do minor conversions, and after the the struggles I've had with that, uh, I'm super excited about it. But uh, thanks to them and all they do over at Chaos Orc Superstore. Yes, and, and Chaos Orc Superstore. Oh my God! Did I just say I meant Six Squared Studios? I am a moron. I'm reading my notes, and my daughter's giving me a beverage in my new. I just got it for my anniversary. Awesome Night of the Living Dead tumbler. And uh, I totally got screwed up. So uh, can we back up to that last one here? What was that again? And Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. There's always something happening at Grognards. I have a bell. All right. All right, all right, all right. Oh, boy. Uh, hey, I think, are we going to have Todd on next episode or something like that? I think we um, are, aren't we? Or we probably should. Episode? Yeah, I, mean, I think we are. He's an okay guy to talk to. I'm excited to about to that. Hold on one second. Find a bottle opener. They're like on the can openers. And now. So, all right. All right. So, so, so. Also, we should probably thank the Patreon. I'm sorry. My daughter's down here and she's trying to be helpful. And my daughter's definition of helpful is not helpful. But she's trying real hard, so I won't insult her. Um, I want to thank the Patreon sponsors. Those people who make up the almost 1% of our listeners who make this show and literally everything we do on it even this possible 
Uh, that includes our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Mike Postian. Our AJC? AJC. Are we still doing that? Ah, uh, you know, we can. I mean, he used to be on the end, so it was easier. But now he's now he's he's like he's more of a senior associate producer. So like you got the newer guys behind him, so it's a little harder to do. And you know, ah. Mike Mike Post in that don't that don't work. So I don't know. We'll figure something out. We always do. I mean, come on, a typo led us into your army. So it's, something's going to happen. Uh, what else? Executive producer Colin Miller and our newest patron. Billy Scheitz, and I'm assuming it's pronounced Scheitz because I'm not pronouncing it any other way. Um, let's see. Thank you all for being the 1%. Uh, Alex. Dave. We have voicemail. No, we don't. Well, I don't think we actually have a voicemail right now. We might, but I can't remember, and I can't bring it up right now because I am having a nightmare of a time with everything. I, I had to switch around everything here in the basement um, for some upcoming functions. Okay, at, at, uh, so let's Halloween. try this again. Long story short, too late. We don't have any voicemail to listen to. Right, we might, but, but we're not tonight. Maybe next episode. But, but yeah. if I wanted to leave a voicemail for next episode, what's the number that I can call? You might call 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Or most international callers dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. That makes me happy. Yeah. So uh, call, leave a voicemail. We may not be listening to it right today um, uh, on the show, but we always listen to them, and we eventually wind up playing them. So Maybe. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's what happens, man. It happens. Hey, look, I'm a hot mess, okay? I'm not even going to deny it. It's been a busy, crazy couple of weeks, and the next two weeks are going to be busier and crazier. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Hey, listen, we all have times in our lives when things get hectic. And right now, that's what's going on. So, I, I, I voicemail, schmoicemail. We got to go. We got to show. So, um, should we maybe take a break? And uh, then, yeah, we probably should. And then, uh, yeah, so we should, we'll go and take a break. And then we're going to come back and we are just going to dive right in to Sons of Bayamot lore even though okay i know on our show notes it says bob lore but that's because the uh, stupid autocorrect turned sob to bob so what are you gonna do we'll be back Right, folks, Chaos Org Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get.
And we are back. We are back with the Sons of Bayamot. And wow, I could not be happier. I'm not even going to lie. This is... Uh, this is just uh, hey, it's something new, and it's we've had. I mean, it's a big something too. Yeah, and it's it's not just that. I mean, all of these books are new lore. I mean, every time we read it, you know, like the Lumineth Realm Lords is new lore, but it's new lore based on something that we already had. This is new lore based on something we never got before, and that makes me giddy. Is the only word I can think to put in there a giddy uh yeah giddy how about you giddy are you ready to stomp up and down jump up and down in excitement is that what you're gonna do i think so uh no but this is a <clears throat> sorry the uh whole army concept is just amazing and for only having two kits in the army that makes four different models uh it's just great the amount of variety that you can get, the customization that you can do with these two kits, so so you can actually like tell your story, tell your narrative uh, with the sons. And there's tons of options. Like we've all seen the conversions on Twitter, on social media of all the stuff that people are doing with these kits, and it's just amazing. There's some pretty cool stuff going on. That that is uh, that is definite. I, there is just some pretty. There's some stuff that's just now. I mean, and I mean, just to call out a couple, I've seen. You know, I've seen someone trying to convert them and make them female, which was cool. Seen people armoring them up, doing stuff like that, swapping out heads and things. Uh, you know, Paul Wagner turned it into a spider guy. Of course, he did. Um, but you can. They're large enough where you can throw anything together with them, which is kind of some of the fun because they're so big. Anything mm-hmm. will fit on there. Like you could just slap it on. And and it and it's not like it's going to be too large. You could put pieces on. Any any kit you own can be part of a trophy for one of these guys. Yeah, or a weapon. I've seen someone take a Kraken Eater and put a Alapex in the club arm. <laughs> so he's literally swinging a shark. He's swinging. Well, hey, he's not jumped the shark. He's just grabbed it and swinging it. That works. That that works. See. Yeah. So. And then, so the models aside, but then you have this book, which is, by and large, new background. Um, and we've had Gargants before. We've seen them mentioned in the Realm Beast, in the Realm Gate Wars with Behemoth originally. But to actually explore the culture of what Gargants were before, like, the coming of Chaos... Because they've always like hinted, even in the old world, like Sky Titans, like things that are bigger than Gargans, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, uh, normal giants. And now they've got the actual, like, legit Mega Gargans and kind of like putting into f- reference, like, what some of the other larger implications are of the events of the Realm Gate Wars, even, because that's where this starts. Oh, yeah. Is the Realm Gate Wars. And. Like, that's something that, at this point, is like, the Realm Gate Wars, how long ago was that? Like, four years? Four years in our time. Hundreds and hundreds of years in game time, isn't it? Yeah, it's an indeterminate amount of time between the Realm Gate Wars and the... And Soul uh, Wars. Yeah, the Necroquake. Um, Now, I totally forgot that the normal standard 
practice here of, of kind of giving the intro from the beginning of the book and I let the master engineer take over. Can I just can I I'm just I'm can can I read this? This is good. Yeah. This sure. really gives you the flavor. And I normally put this in the beginning instead of the master engineer, but uh I, I totally spaced. I was so excited to get started, I forgot. And I literally forgot and ran with the master engineer. Of course, he was here. If I would have told him I didn't need him, he would have probably thumped me for wasting his time. So here we go. A single gargant can break a house beneath its fists. In the mortal realms, this much is known to even the poorest soot child. Many a tale is told of these monsters gobbling up unwary travelers, smashing iron oaks into splinters and shattering castle walls. The fact that they gather in clans is rarely mentioned, for it's too terrible to contemplate. If one of these towering beasts spells ruin, a group of them is a walking disaster, and they are evolving. No more are the Gargans simply bad-tempered behemoths addled by too much meat and drink, massive in stature but easily outwitted. Since their god-beast father Bayamot was slain by Sigmar's hosts, they are on the warpath, a force of ruination that crushes all before it. Worse still, if the scholars of the free cities are to be believed, they're getting larger. Some are so vast they can simply step over the walls built to keep them out, roaring at ear-splitting volume as they feast on the fleshy morsels within. To the Gargant, the races of men, Dwarden, and Elf are weak. These gigantic oafs guffaw and bellow as they grind such pipsqueaks underfoot, relishing the feeling of breaking bones and squishing flesh between their toes. They stamp veteran warriors flat and kick armored horses into ordered shield walls just for the fun of it. For them, battle is recreation. Intoxicated with the thrill of their destructive crusade, they spur each other on to ever greater feats of destruction, reveling in the demise of every regiment they crush and every prized war beast they tear apart. The gargant of the past is gone. Now come the sons of Bayamot, and they are strength incarnate. That's a nice summary of what goes on in this book. And this book is funny. Mm-hmm. Did you I was Okay. Now granted, they're a destruction army. Yes. And granted, they do have some of their roots. Uh, all destruction armies worship Gorkamorka in some form. And Gorkamorka it take, t- takes a big part in this book as well. But the authors went to great lengths to involve just about every other race in some way in this book and show how the Gargans have irritated them or stomped on them. And the stories that they tell in here are fantastic. They have a really long, from the Age of Myth and the World Titans, but there's a long section of the uh, histories, the, you know, the eight, and (laughs) according to the Gargans, they pretty much create, you know, had a hand in creating every race that's out there, it seems like. It's mm-hmm. really funny to get stories from their point of view. This reminds me of some of the earliest Age of Sigmar stuff, the stuff that sounded like old creation myths. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's how they pass their lore down between the generations of Gargants is through storytelling uh, that's typical for the Destruction Armies. So yeah, They do not have it, a written language, so... No. No. No, they don't. <laughs> That's okay. That would actually probably be pretty scary if they did. Yeah. Uh, but could you no, imagine the size of those pencils? Um, I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist. So, it's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So oh, I just 
so you, you you know the books always start off with some general background and the one thing if i have a criticism about this book is parts of it get repetitive because a lot of it is retelling uh, of the this army's place in some of the old stories and even in here some of the tales wind up being repeated in like the the history timeline section yeah there's some definite duplication and there's a lot of uh there's some repetitive stuff which is we stepped on this guy and it was funny so there's a little bit of that, but that's typically how they move on. Literally, right. is they just kind of step on it and keep moving. So now they have no natural predators. Bayamot, which who died in the God Beast, what was it? The God Beast Wars? What was that called? Just it was doing... in the Realmgate Wars. Okay, in the, the God book Beast was book. called God Beast. Right. Uh, he winds up dying in that book. Uh, apparently, he puked up a bunch of. Gargants beforehand, um, but since he's died, it kind of reminds me of um, Grimnir. How the bits of him are mixed into the ether gold, and they kind of slam the bits into themselves for more power. Here, when he's died, they're getting larger, they're getting stronger, and they've some of them have actually gotten more intelligent. Yeah, and this also kind of reminds me of like the whole. Um, what do you call it? The strength from victory that the iron jaws have where they get bigger, the more stuff they kill, the more stuff they break, um, that sort of thing. So it's like that primal essence, but this all ties back to almost like, I don't want to say this is like a reincarnation myth of like God beasts because Behemoth is according to legend, the son of Yemog, Y M N O G. Um, who was like the first of the of the god beast titans and sigmar had to break him when he's going through in the age of myth and scouring the monsters um so behemoth ends up working alongside gorkamorka as gorkamorka's champion so right. there's a whole story with behemoth in general and the creation myths um and, and it does tie into Sigmar. Too. And it's interesting to see how Bayamot's role uh, with Gorkamorka and how Chaos sort of played with him in order to make these thing these messes happen. Um, it's 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 actually a pretty interesting story for a bunch of simpletons who just like to smash things. Yeah, um, but they're not always simpletons. Like they've discussed how Gargans have been. Like they were a once fairly intelligent race until the fall um, with the Age of Chaos where they became stupid um, and kind of dim-witted and fell into that gluttony, um, the drinking, the eating, just the smashing, just where they fell into that like stupor and their brains went away. Right. So they actually address how that has changed later in the book as well. I like so, I like the beginning of this, though, when they sort of give this general overview, you know, um, talking about how they go out in a war. They don't they they don't really pay much attention to the differences in races, to the little pipsqueaks. I don't care how long your beard is or how, how tall your hat is or how pointy your armor is. You're all just pretty much all pipsqueaks like that's it's, it's all the same to them. If you're not that big, you're small. Mm-hmm. 
And um, there's a great little part here. And I love that it talks about how their daily existence is just hunger and pain. Okay? Uh, Especially when the age of chaos comes because there's less for them to eat. Just finding food enough to live on, it becomes their daily tasks. And that's where they become far more uh, barbaric and animal-like is running through that age of chaos. Um, but it's it's just fantastic to talk about how they go onto the battlefield and stuff like that. Uh, and then it does talk uh, briefly about the legend, and, and Yimnog is in there. Um, you know who was who only Sigmar ever beat Yimnog. Uh, and then Bayamot's his son. Now, until recently, he was just sleeping off the effects of his own duel against Sigmar, slumbering beneath the ever spring swath. The attempts Archeon the Everchosen made to enslave him and the god-beast subsequent mercy-killing from the Hammer of Galamaraz have changed Gargant society forever. So Archeon messing with him and Chaos polluting him. Because Chaos, this he was sleeping around the Great Torque. Okay, Archeon, when he tried to get the Great Torque, which is from the realm of life, right? Yes. And... Nurgle had corrupted it bad and badly enough where if he was to take this and that was just a giant ring of land like a horseshoe shaped land yeah, mass, it was right? a small continent. Right, and he was going to take that and put it around Bayamot's neck as a collar. And mm-hmm. using that around and that's how big Bayamot is that they have a, a small continent as his collar. Um Put that around him, and it's already been corrupted enough through through chaos and Nurgle that it should dull his senses enough, where he could be put, brought under control. Um, right, and uh, then you also have like the plagues of Nurgle infesting into Bahamut the entire time he's laying under the ground. Right, uh, now, or he is the ground. Right, so. and he's and it, he has withstood that so much longer than any other thing could have, just because of his natural size. And his uh, toughness. Right, and you also had the parasite engines of the Skaven digging into him as well. Right. Frying his nerve endings and making him immune to pain and everything like that. It's it's kind of horrible what they did to him. Like It is. It's, it, it, it's sad. Uh, and eventually, you know, when he is awakened, he's completely insane. And even though they foiled Archaon's plans, they had to put him down. Because he was just rabid, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit. I mean, it's 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 it's, a, it's actually it's a pretty good story. Um, yeah. You know, they talk about uh, that they're preoccupied with feet, uh, and they love Gorka Morka. Some of them call him God Stampa, but his big feet. When you saw the big the big foot of Gork come down, um, it's it's whenever they saw that giant foot of Gork spell coming down, it's like look at the size of that foot. He is worthy of worship because the size of your foot has a lot to do with their society. Um, right. <laughs> and he's just massive in general. Um, and I do like how there's a description in here. Some Gargan tribes even believe that Gorkamorka is not humanoid at all, but rather a pair of immense yellow nailed feet, a Gork foot, which is stompy, but kicky and a Mork foot, which is kicky, but stompy. I love that. I got that highlighted here. That was just great. Everybody's got to have this but that or that but this. And even even the Sons of Bayamot, when you talk about Gork and Mork, 
Uh, he's kicky but stompy, and he's stompy but kicky. Um, now, the Wa, when they see the the orcs going to war and all of that's happening, even in the orc book, the, it could, that, the, the, that Wa energy has drawn, it talks about how it's drawn gargants to them, as well as other trolls and other beasts. Um, but it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not as hypnotic as it is for trolls and other things with them. They just, with all the bawling and stomping, they're like, hey, bawling and stomping is our thing. <laughs> like, so let's do this. Screaming. And they live to fight because, like, they mentioned earlier um, that on the battlefield they're gods. Because right. Because they're these massive creatures. So for them, it's just a good time. That's uh-huh. all it is. And then we start to get into the history. And then you get to the cool uh, Age of Myth thing. Um, and most of the stories about the Gargans come between the rivalry of Gorkamorka and Bayamot. And what you learn in this book is interesting. Is that... So Sigmar frees Gorkamorka from the living mountain, you know, the, the world uh, titan that was just a, basically a big mountain. Uh, and he was, you know, overrun by it, but not destroyed. He was just like encased in amber and couldn't do anything. And, of course, Sigmar, we all know the story. Sigmar frees him. He's in a rage because he's been captured this long. They fight for like 12 days straight, and then they just start to laugh because uh, they're just no one's beating the other. Um and then Gorkamorka agrees to help Sigmar uh, in the way Sigmar knows best to utilize him, which is go destroy all the big stuff. Just go take it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is chaos starts whispering in Gorkamorka's ear that basically that he's Sigmar's bitch. And that, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it, I'm right, aren't I? And they're like, and look over at Bayamot. Bayamot's your champion. He's your servant. He's doing whatever he wants. And you're doing whatever Sigmar tells you. Punk and Gorka Morka, you know, um, he's uh, he falls for this, as as people are wont to do when chaos is taunting you and playing with you, and so he starts giving Bayamot all sorts of challenges and jobs and stuff, and the stories here are fantastic. <laughs> How Gorka Morka uh, sends him on, and he. Sometimes he actually succeeds on purpose, and sometimes he just lucks into it. He's like Inspector Cluzo, or <laughs> one of the just he is just lucks right into uh, getting the job done when he is a complete moron. Um, it's so wonderful these bits of story. I'm trying to think. Um, Stop! Uh, stop! Uh, stop the super volcano, uh, Volcatrix's lair, from making hundreds of more beasts. So he t- tears the top of a mountain off, turns it upside down, and jams it like a cork. And that caused all the Duarden to get mad and come running out. And then he stomped. He started stomping on them, and that's why they have been short and squat ever since. This is yeah. This is Sons of Bayamot lore. Dwarves are short because we stomped on their heads. Yes. Uh, or there was the sacking of a coastal city that was inhabited by elves, and it flooded. So in order to escape similar catastrophes, some of the elves began to live under the sea. Yes. So the, yes. So the elves that live underwater live underwater because they're hiding from the Gargans. Yes. Uh, what else is in here? There's so much. Uh, oh, 
uh, Dracothian was ticked off because apparently, um, what is it, Bayamot? Uh, or no, he wanted to get back at Gorka Morka for knocking him in the head after Sigmar freed him because he did romp Gork, romp Dr- Dracothian in the in the head and put a scar on him. Mm-hmm. So he started throwing meteors down, and they were hitting Gorka Morka. Uh, and it didn't do anything to Gorkamorka. So he told Bayamot, oh, can you handle getting uh, meteors thrown at you from uh, Dracothian? And uh, <laughs> so he goes up on the top of the highest mountain and starts just cussing out Dracothian until Dracothian gets so pissed <laughs> he starts throwing meteors at him. Except they actually hurt him, so he gets mad and he clubs one back like he's playing baseball, and it hits Dracothian and knocks a bunch of scales off of him. And as those scales fell down in a fiery, silvery meteor shower, they took the form of Seraphon. Uh, to buy, so, so, Bayamot created the Seraphon, and he made the dwarf short, and he created the sea elves, um, and. Uh, Bayamot went and they had an eating contest and they were eating the people they killed uh, but Bayamot wanted a one-up Gorkamorka so he went into the realm of Shyish and started eating up the spirits of the dead that he already ate so they could be eaten more thoroughly and what started happening is that's why the dead men in Shyish that's why there's so many skeletons in Shyish because there's no meat on their bones because he ate the, ate, the, ate the bodies and then ate the meat off the spirits so he created the bone rattlers or whatever they're called. Death rattle. Death rattle. Death rattle came from Bayamot, as did the deep kin, the fire slayers, the seraphon. This is. I'm reading this and I'm actually laughing as I'm reading this, going, "This is insane." These guys take credit for everything. Oh, well, are you gonna tell them now? No, that's. I mean, this is their history. Right, and uh, you know how we always talk about every book is every book tells the story a little differently because it's being told from the point of view of that particular race. These stories are great. This is better than mm-hmm. ogre stuff. It really is. <laughs> well, yeah, because like ogres operate on the principle of might is right. These guys operate on the principle of mightier is rightier. <laughs> yes, they do. They are the one up from. Ogres, essentially. Oh, what else is in here that's so good? Um, okay, then they talk about how how uh, they had to kill him. They had to kill uh, Bayamot. And, I mean, it was it's a sad story. Um, but this is the interesting thing, is that what, before Bayamot got knocked cold, he basically, I think he got concussed the first time he got hit, and he went and fell asleep. And, you know, when you get concussed, sometimes you throw up. It's, it's No, no, no. So this was actually a challenge from Gorka Morka where he challenged Bahama to fight Sigmar to a standstill. Right. And he, he, and he lost. The same thing. He lost. Uh, he got crunked in the head. Um, and he got and concussed. Before, and before – and you know when you get concussed, sometimes you puke. And he puked up like thousands of gar- – apparently – that's how they came to – he just vomits them up? Is that how they reproduce? Just they were well, vomited it up? Says, I'll just read this. Yeah. Uh, still dazed, he gorged himself on the local fauna before vomiting up an entire generation of gargants. 
a last great feat of propagation before he finally allowed himself to collapse. And then he fell over. So now I haven't heard anything in this book about female gargants. So is that just, is that all of them? He just vomited them up and that's what we have? I don't know. Because it's the same thing with like most of the greenskin races. We don't have identified female greenskins. Right. And so, yeah, I'm curious as to if, if and how they reproduce, because it seems like he just puked them all up. And that's cool. I mean, that's cool. Uh, the one important, really important thing here in this section is that uh, the Gargans have been getting bigger ever since he died. Uh, yeah. Some of them are over 100 feet tall. These things are big. Mm-hmm. Like, the biggest ones are bigger than, I mean, it, I mean granted, they can't make, the, I mean, the models are not all to scale. And these things are way larger than your average human-sized mo- models in the game. But if we're being okay, accurate... So the other thing... Yep. Just a thought. Uh, last paragraph on page 11. The death of Bahamut led to a strange phenomenon amongst his sons and daughters. Oh, there are girls. So there are daughters of Bahamut. Oh, okay, I did... Yeah, you know, know what? You're are. right. And it basically, here's the thing, and, and this is what the scholars are thinking. Uh, as these guys are getting, the largest of them sometimes claim that they're going to be Bayamut reincarnated, which sounds like some of the Slaneshi stuff. But if these guys keep growing, that's what the fear is, is that we're going to see the birth of a new world titan. Right. Like, he could so it, come back in some form, or a form of him. Yeah, or some sort of aspect. Because it's like, he replaces Yemnog. And then it's now the next generation's turn to replace Bahamut. It's almost like the one dies, so there has to be another one that rises to take his place. Right. So Now, before we move on, there's a section here that talks about Gur and the lands in Gur and where these guys live and stuff like that. Okay, I didn't realize this. Maybe this was in some of the other books. Maybe it wasn't. But the fact that the land itself in Gur is a predator... And I don't mean just it's like mm-hmm. like I don't mean like it's it's a deadly landscape. The actual, uh, you know, the the plates, the tectonic plates, are aggressive and almost sentient and working against each other, trying to grow and take over the other tectonic plates and crush them. Yeah, it's the same thing with the continents too. Yeah, it um, literally talks about how if you're near a mountain and you mark it in the morning, put a mark on the ground, that mark will be gone by the evening because the mountain will have moved a bit. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. This is cool. I mean, I just, I'm, as I'm, I'm this, uh, my imagination is very sparked by this book and just the weird stuff that it talks about. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Gur before with uh, the other races of destruction, except maybe the Gits. Um, but just the whole premise that it's, you eat everything and everything is a hunter including the realm itself. That's no real difference than any of the other realms that we've talked about and explored. Mm-hmm. But now having this full detail of it's so infused with the hunger to consume that the land even consumes itself. And if you look at the map, which is amazing on pages 14 and 15, like even the shapes of the continents are mouths and claws. Yeah. So yeah, it's bananas. It really is. I'm as you, I'm looking at this. Go wow. Okay, and there's teeth here. That's a that's a yeah. That's definitely a jaw. 
That's another biting mouth. That's a foot. It's just, it's, it's so cool. It's so aggressive. But then they start talking about when the Age of Chaos comes in. And, you know, the Gargans are being attacked. Times get tough for them. But then they talk about even then they do okay. Uh, it's, the, I think the most interesting part in here is after the Necroquake when uh, Nagash messes everything up for everybody. Uh, because the Necroquake, you see some interesting stuff here, the wild spells and stuff like that. But they are able, actually, in the beginning, to kill Nighthaunt. Because mm-hmm. uh, they just, they're, they, this, this is very orky. They believe they're bigger and they're tougher. And if they stomp on you, you will die. And they believe that firmly. And so they come in and they start stomping on Nighthaunt, the ghosts. And the ghosts die. And they're like, okay. And then what basically happens is that you get one of these huge mega gargants goes up against Lady Olinder, who just decimates him almost without trying. And that scares some of the gargants who are with him when he's fighting her. And then as they get frightened, suddenly they go in a stomp and it's not working. And that scares them even more. And these guys die all except for a couple who Lady Olinder sends her knights out after, sends out the hex wraiths to keep chasing them, but make sure not to catch them. Make them run away. And as they go and spread the story about what these guys did, it actually infects the rest of the race with fear. And suddenly they are no longer able to just stomp ethereal spirits. It's, it, it's such a cool concept that idea of that group belief makes it happen and she shatters that and so for a while they can't even do it i just thought it was cool yeah and then they also talk about how they got their groove back which was finding common cause with the drakfoots which we've talked about in the warclans book oh that's right just believe that they can bust ghosts and they see it so then the Gargans learn how to like get their groove back. Yeah. So that they can stomp on them more. Yeah, the Drakfoot. Hey, if those guys can do it. Wait a minute. If they can why can't uh, come on wait, there's gotta this is a lie. What do you mean we can't do it if they can do it? And that's and they do it and they get it back. It's so good. Yeah, it's like a it's a self belief. It's just their confidence that it's like I'm gonna stomp on this and it's gonna go away because I'm that big. And it's that small. Yep. So. Uh, I want to keep this going a little bit longer. I want to go through the history and the, the, the stuff about their tribes and the stuff about the mercenaries. Uh, we can mm-hmm. keep the, the four units. We can kind of work that into the into the war section. We can talk about their, their history when we talk about the units a little bit. Because um, I kind of wanted to break this into three sections if we could. Um, okay. This is, I, I don't remember highlighting so much in the history section as I did in this one because there's so many just bizarre stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about, yeah, uh, Drakatoa, you know, captures Gorkamorka. This is all the, re- the rehash. Um, you know, they're fighting. But then we get to stuff like the, well, first of all, uh, on page 19, the armored gargants because the Chaos Dwarden... 
start doing stuff and they start uh, building up all sorts of armor and stuff uh, and they not only are able to fight and blast away at some of the Gargans but a few they manage to capture they armor them up and they sort of come to chaos there's some interesting bits of story there with the black iron plate and stuff like that this is Chaos Dwarden uh, I mean this is Chaos Dwarves mm-hmm. and Chaos Gargans and I kind of love it I just do. I'm sorry. It's it's good story stuff. Uh, Dante's revenge is a great a great story. Uh, they go after these chaos. It's the age of chaos. They're going after a group of chaos worshippers. Um, but right before they get to them, they fo- they finish this ritual. Where they open a chaos gate and bring out uh, basically greater demons. And the greater demons attack, and the and these these gargants don't have much of a chance later. Uh, like rivers of blood flow and the and the flora and fauna are really warped and strange, um, but there's a lot of it. And so another group, later groups of gargants are e- sitting and feasting and growing fat off of all of this weird stuff that's going, and they find the decapitated bodies or skeletons of like 10 gargants, all of which have chaos runes written all over the bones. And uh, basically they get really pissed and they make a pact that they are going to go they are going to kill the legions of the blood god so he's made enemies of the gargants there is a whole group out there that just hates corn mm-hmm. um, are any of the stories from 20 and 21 stick out to you I like the story of King Broad we don't have to go through all of this um, the, sca- the scaling the flame spires is great did you read this one no Okay, so you've got these mountains, and there's some Dwarden living up in, uh, you know, like the or the the overlords, the Karajan overlords, living up on the top near these mountains in their place, and uh, they've got a mountain fastness, and these Gargans start scaling the mountain to get to them, but as the gunboats are coming and shooting at, they're climbing the wrong mountain, and so they're like, well, we don't really have to take them up, we just have to kind of keep at them, we're gonna, and they can't get too close because they're chucking rocks at them. So they're coming in as close as they can. They're shooting at them. They're shooting at them. They get up to the top of the wrong mountain, and they're like, okay, now they're standing up there. It's a perilous shot. Let's just take them down. They move in for the kill. This was the plan the whole time. These gargants just dive across this huge space, grab onto the ironclads, and hang onto them and swing back and forth and then swing and let themselves go. They use it as, as a mid-space to grab on, get some momentum, pendulum back and forth, swing and jump and land on the the mountain that they want to land on. Meanwhile, yanking and pulling on the ironclads and throwing them back towards the this first mountain that they were that they're aiming for. So these things are going out of control. They're crashing and they trash this place. And it was just it's like, "Oh, that's a really clever plan. They're using them to jump between." Uh, I liked that one a lot. Uh, any of these other ones? Any of these stick up to you? Not really. Okay. To be honest. I'm going to hit a couple of them really quick just because I like them. The heads of the Arbalester, there's the stone heads. They are wonders of the realm. They looked like giant stone. They're big stone edifices that look like heads. And these, they're. Oh, hold on. Sorry, my microphone went wonky there. Um, they had been. Techless and a bunch of other elves had basically turned them to stone when they were rampaging. 
And with all of this fighting going on, uh, the spell is broken. They come back to flesh, and they're screaming, but they're still buried up to their necks. And so they're screaming, and so the um, the bone splitter orcs that had made camp around these heads because they were, thought they were basically idols of Gork and or Mork, um, they're feeding them 50 boars a week, just shoving them down their throats as they're digging their bodies out. And they finally get them dug out, and now they they fight with them. So they, there's a whole tribe of bone splitters who have a bunch of mega gargants who were trapped under a mountain, who they unburied and fed until they could get them out, and now they ride with them. There's just a bunch of stories like this. I just love it. Uh, they go after the Deepkin, and they can't breathe far enough to get all the way down there. The Deepkin keep attacking this one group, and they just can't get to them because uh, they're underwater. They, they, t- they hold their breath. They swim most of the way. They can see where they are, but they can't get there. So the clever ones go back to their place. They grab some... Uh, overlord ironclads that they that were still solid that they had as trophies and they flip them upside down and when they pull them with them under the water because they're upside down there's a bunch of air stuck underneath it so they hold their breath as long as they can swimming then they can stick their head in there and get some more air and they manage to get all the way down to the overlord's place and they're out on a raid so there's only a small group left and they kick the crap out of that place um, it's just stories like this over and older. Old Ropey, this mega gargant uh, from that. Oh, they um, they they think that uh, uh, gargants who fight alongside death armies are weirdos. Like they're considered strange and creepy to the other mega gargants. And you find out later that the longer you stay and fighting and eating the undead and, and feeding off of this stuff and that they start to get paler and weirder and care less and less about their treasures. Um, they just get very strange. And old Ropey doesn't even eat people. He's just sort of got some, his, like, his skin's kind of fading and peeling off and uh, he just doesn't even eat people anymore. He just picks them up and sticks them where there's gaps in his body and they sort of get sucked in and, and like a fungus surrounds them almost and they sort of get pulled in as parts of the musculature for him to work those parts. Uh, there's some, it's just, it's, there's cool stories in here. Um, and then they talk about the feet. Can we talk about the feet? Sure. The feet. Uh, this is how they, okay. Now, the mortal realms call large groups of Gargant's catastrophes. You know, you have a murder of crows, a pride of lions. You have a catastrophe of Gargant's, which makes sense because a bunch of Gargant's on the rampage is a catastrophe. I mean, basically, it's a catastrophe waiting to happen, right? Yeah, but they refer to them as a stomp. They refer to them they... as stomps. Um, they Because they stomp on things. They like to stomp on things. And some of the best parts of the story here cracks me up. Okay. They like to stomp on things. It's easy. They don't like to stomp on chaos, guys, because all that armor is spiky, and it hurts their feet. And it says in here, since the feet-maiming devastation of the Soul Wars, some Gargans have taken to wearing crude footwear made of the skin of sea serpents. Now, Soul Wars is spelled S-O-L-E. Now, I don't know if that's the Soul Wars we know of, S-O-U-L, and they just talk about their feet that much, but that's t- somebody deserves a raise for that bit of clever nonsense. No, it definitely refers to the Soul Wars um, <laughs> as well as the Soul Wars. So, 
Um, and it talks about one of the reasons they like to stomp so much is because everything's shorter than them. They mm-hmm. will they'll use their hands for big monsters and to fight and and to go to go and and ha- you know fight for dominance with other gargants. But they mostly like to use their feet on all the pipsqueaks, as they put it. And they can reach down. I mean, they can reach down and smash them with their hands. But all that bending and stooping is hard on their backs. It literally says this in here. Mm-hmm. Bending down to smash the enemy with their bare hands is all well and good. But after a while, all that stooping is murder on the back. So they just like to kick things to death. This is hysterical. Uh, uh, my back gets sore if I bend over too much. So I'm just going to kick the crap out of everything. And so then you have the, the, the stomp, which is what they call their group. The uh, the head guy is the big heel. Um, he's usually the largest of the Mega Gargans, right? Mm-hmm. Then you've got the other Mega Gardens who are under the heel. Makes sense because they, they, they serve him. And then you got the foot slagas, who are uh, usually your man crusher gargants. You know the the guys who just are in there, just trying to be the alpha, trying to push there. They're going, and then the guys who are towing the line are the man crushers. Uh, the the man the the foot slagas are the leaders of the man crusher units. Mm-hmm. And then the actual man crushers are the toes. So. Oh, it's just it's and the picture here of the actual foot where you can see the one is the big heel and the other guys are going over there and then there's all the little man crushers as each individual toe. This is just silly, but it's yes. so much fun. But it makes sense to them, and we've seen the kind of like military breakdown that looks very similar in every other book, but this is probably the most unique take on it. Period. Oh yeah. It's not delineated in a uh, there's there's no head box with a lot of boxes underneath it. I mean even in the ogre book and the and the and the and the orc book there you know you've got some of these delineations some of these groups. This is literally looks like a foot. Mhm. And it's just a bunch, you know it just goes from top to bottom. It's so it's so silly. Uh and then really quick I the mercenary stories are fantastic. They learned how to be mercenaries from ogres. And this is what's great. Uh, You know, and it says in here, the most intelligent of them understand that a constant supply of food and loot is better than the occasional binge. Um, They used to have very little interest in war necessarily, some of them, except as a good source of, you know, food. But uh, there was some gargants of Gur who had a longstanding alliance with the Meat Fist Maw Tribe, and they started learning what it meant to be mercenaries. And it finally sunk in that it sunk into their heads notions of getting paid, doing what you said you would do the day before, and not act, not attacking the people that promised to pay you unless you were really hungry. And once they learned how to do this, they got so wealthy and fat that they struck out on their own. They had more stuff than they could carry, so they just like found a settle. They they found a place to settle their stuff down. The the meat fists went on their own and this small group of gargants found another group and basically was like hey check out what we learned and then that group broke off and as they got fat and wealthy they started to break off in more groups and this became the great secret because it was like if you could figure this out 
They also uh, found out if you're being a mercenary, working for the walking beards is always a good idea because the Duarden always pay quickly and have exceptional alcohol. <laughs> yep. It's just, I just love this. I mean, these stories are just good. They're just fun. And uh, if, if we're, we're just hitting the bits that I'm really enjoying and that Alex are really enjoying. There's more stuff in here for you to read. Uh, yeah, they also talk about, like, the different pastimes that they have. Right. Um, which is just how they egg each other on to ever greater feats of stupidity. Um, wake belching. Tank tipping. <laughs> tank tipping is great. As opposed to cow tipping. Uh-huh. Horse punting. Uh, that's a simple game. Um, with bonus points awarded if the unfortunate beast takes out any unwitting victims before landing. Or upon landing. Yeah, so if you so. kick it and it goes real far, that's one thing. But if it hits a whole bunch of other stuff, bonus. Oh, I just, I, 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 <laughs> I love it. So They did an article like this uh, for Ogres when they first came out. And all the different events that they like to do. So this is just like a natural continuation of that. Yep. So um, I'm thinking it's about time to take a break. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a break now if you're cool with that. And uh, when the commercial ends and we're back, um, we're going to talk. Let's let's talk some more. We can we can give the I mean there's only four units we can give the finer points of their lore when we talk about the units themselves does that sound good sure all right we'll be back there's always something happening at Grognards that's right friends Grognard Games in Roselle Illinois and at GrognardGames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section, and you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now you can't play in the store right now, still gotta have social distancing protocols and if I gotta stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic, probably gonna be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either, but you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards because as the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're gonna need stuff and you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why because there's always something happening at Grognards. We're back. We are back. Yes, we are. That's we are. That's where we are. Back. That's where we are. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, you, 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 you heard me, didn't you? Yeah. Then you're back too. So there we go. I am back. You are. That is the that is the beauty of 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 what I said. It was true. Yep. All right. So, uh 
Now, there's a lot going on with this. Ar- for only four units, there's a lot going on with this army with their special rules because each you got three mega gargans and they each have their own special set of rules if they're like your leader. Um, you yeah, start- and it really just depends on who your general is, what allegiance you are within the Sons of Bahamut. So if you have a Kraken eater as your general, you are referred to as a taker tribe. If you're a war stomper general, you're referred to as a stomper tribe. And if you're a gatebreaker, you're a breaker tribe. Yes, you are. You know what? It keeps it simple. Yes. Yeah. It so, doesn't need to be complicated. No, Not with it, these guys. No. Um, Should we talk about some of these cool allegiance abilities? Yeah. they got. T- uh, so we talked about Lord and Master, which is your general determines what kind of tribe you are. Um, the other two things is you have mightier makes rightier. Um, so for controlling an objective, each man crusher gargants, that's the regular size one counts as 10 models instead of one. And each friendly mega guardian counts as 20 instead of one. The so co- the coolest thing here though, is if the battle plan being played, it doesn't follow the normal rules for controlling objectives. If it's not just, you know, numbers, you can pick whether to use this or follow the rules in the battle plan each time control of the objective is determined. Each time control is determined. So if you determine control of the objective on each player's turn, you could you can just, I mean, not that you would constantly be changing it up every turn, but you can, right? Right. Yeah, it just really depends on the battle plan. But this also prevents you from getting locked out of other battle plans in the future. That may or may not come out. So this is kind of like future-proofing them. So Yeah, I think it's cool because it, it gives you the option, but you don't have to stick with it. And that's that's a big deal, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can chuck rocks. In the shooting phase, one friendly man-crusher gargant unit, wholly within 18 inches of your general, can make a shooting attack with the chuck rocks weapons below. So... Uh, Three, D3 attacks, fours to hit, threes to wound, run, one ran D3 damage. And is that per Man Crusher Gargant? Yes. So if it's a unit of one, then you can only have up to a unit of three. So it's it's one to three D3, depending on how many models are in the unit. Right. And at 18-inch range, um, it's not a bad profile. Yeah. Fours to threes, one ran D3 damage, I'll take it. Yeah, because bef- if they're uninjured, Man Crushers are... Movement actually, they're movement eight all the time, so it's effectively like a twenty-six inch throw, which is pretty impressive. And Absolutely. It's free. So yeah, it's so. a free shot. So, um, let's see. Uh, so why don't we do it this way? There, depending on which of those three mega gargans you pick, that you get a certain set of rules and there's about two pages for each so why don't we do it one at a time now first is the kraken eater mega gargants the taker tribes yes. um these are okay they are rare the rare mega gargant uh they are some of the oldest the most weather beaten and cunning to the point of genuine intelligence i like that description Mm-hmm. Uh, they like to stay on their own. They like to be alone. They like to sit and rest their bones and watch the sunrise. They're kind of old. They're kind of hermity, uh, but they still got to eat, 
And if you go near them, they'll eat you. They also like to swim around in the ocean and eat things like fish and sharks. And, uh, you know, then there are the ones, the the krakens. There are krakens out in the sea. And the best of these guys, that's, you know, that's how they prove they're the best is by killing krakens. And they know, even though few people have witnessed it, they know it's happening because oftentimes krakens will wash up on the shore dead with a bunch of gargant bites in it or with their with their tentacles literally tied in knots. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't like people around them. If you happen over near them, they will destroy you. They get bitter about people coming around them. They'll destroy you and then maybe stick off and go after anything that they think might have been connected to you. Um, they carry their favorite trophies with them. And this is the interesting thing. This is the thing I found most interesting. The oldest Kraken eaters understand that magic is this really sort of power, because there are no wizards in this army. Natively, no. No. There are no wizards. There are no spells listed. There are no endless spells. There is a way to make one, and it's it's. I think it's only Kraken eaters. Correct. And there's a way to make them a wizard, and they literally only know... What is it? Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield? They know Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield, um, but, but that, that also opens up all the endless spells. Right. Um, they don't really understand it so far, but they, they tend to hoard magic items and artifacts, and sometimes they will like strap all of these magical artifacts to their weapons or to themselves, and sometimes it offers them protection, and sometimes it just works as magic, and they like it. They don't always know exactly how to make it work, but they're interested in it. And let's face it, if the spell backfires and explodes, it's not going to kill them. Right. There's a certain threshold that it has to be for a magical thing to hurt them. Like, just a regular magic missile is not going to do a lot of damage to a mega gargant. Right. So if they try something magical and it just goes boom, it's probably going to do more damage to the things around them than to them. Yeah. But, and they also talk about like the kraken skin sandals. Oh, I forgot where about they that. Take the skin of the krakens to make sandals so this way they can walk across their uh, stomping grounds. Uh, without cutting their feet open because it's mostly sharp rocks or stepping on things all the better. Uh, pointy elf spears and chaos armor. Uh, they can yeah, they can do that without cutting up their poor feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so you want to talk about some of their cool rules? Sure. So there's a lot of them. Okay. Um, the Kraken Eaters have the biggest section for different um, artifacts and whatnot. So first thing is they have get rid of them. Uh, so when you're using Mightier makes Rightier, every friendly Man Crusher Gargant counts as 15 models instead of 10, and a Mega Gargant counts as 30 instead of 20. A 50% increase in size. Yes. For these guys, and that's great. Because they're trying to keep people off of their land is really what it boils down to. Yep. Um, and then they have the More Stuff For Me collection, so every time an enemy model with an artifact is slain, you get to roll a triumph for free. And you can use that triumph during the current battle, even if you've already used it. And if you don't use it during the battle, you lost it. Obviously, it doesn't carry over from game to game. What's interesting mm-hmm. is if it they you don't have to be it it doesn't have to be your general that kills them. Correct. It's and, just anytime you kill a model with an artifact of power. So if you got someone who's taking three or you know, they got three uh battalions and they've got a bunch of artifacts every every time one of those guys dies you get an extra triumph and you know what 
you know, triumphs aren't that huge, but they can they can give you that little that little swing you need. And suddenly, if I can get not just one in a game, but maybe two or three. For this army, triumphs are massive because this army doesn't have a lot of reroll anything natively. So, for getting like a reroll failed to hit with a shipwrecker club is pretty nasty. Yep. On a triumph. So, like, it doesn't sound like a lot until the application is put into place. Um, so, we have command traits for them. Now, all three of the Mega Garden tribes share the first three command traits. So, monstrously tough. So there's a character, wounds characteristic of 40 wounds instead of 35. That's right. They have 35 the wounds. So, yeah. So instead of having an extra wound, which is your generic for all the armies, they get five extra. So 40 instead mm-hmm. of 30. What else? Yep. Uh, old and gnarly. So you get to reroll save rolls of one for attacks that target him. And then louder than words, you get to add one to the attacks characteristic of their club or flail. Um the only thing with the Gatebreakers is that it's plus two to their flail attacks, not just plus one. Okay. So, and then yeah. um, there's a, there's the, the thing they got, Get Off Me Land, where you can actually... They can, they can move objectives. Yeah, the Kraken Eaters can punt objectives um, because they want you off of their land. That is so cool. I mean, you can literally punt objectives near other objectives, and then your two different units can stay together and p- defend each other and just be holding off. I mean, there's... there's That is... A, when I read that, I was talking... I called Harrison. Like, um, dude, these guys can kick objectives across the board. He's like, what? Mm-hmm. And normally you can kick it 2d6, but if you have this, you can kick it 3d6 inches. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you get to play the objective game, like, really well with Kraken Eaters, and you get to screw up... Um, objectives because if you get your general onto an objective in the enemy territory you can kick it backwards um, to your guys waiting in the back and then it's out of your opponent's territory Um, and now the real question is can you like go for the ultimate football and kick it to one gargant to then kick it to again Um, okay yeah. yeah you can't do that um, so for the get off me land, um, ability on the mega gargan skull for the Kraken eaters, an objective cannot be kicked away more than once in the same phase. In the same phase, but you right. can kick it several turns in a row. Yeah, exactly. So you can play football. You just can't do, um, I'm going to do a pass to you and then you're going to take a shot on goal. It's no. not how it works. No. Um, so because th- there's no battalions in this army either. Nope. Uh, so this very acquisitive is actually a cool thing because they, 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 they the gargants do collect trophies. So in this one, you can take an extra artifact from their list, and if you only have like a, 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 a there's going to be lists where you only have one mega gargant, and then the rest are just going to be regular man eater gargants. So he's the only one who can literally take an artifact, right? So uh, if you take this. You can give your general two artifacts. Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool. There's there's a lot of cheeky little combos you can start to put together with if you for for four units 
already I'm looking at this going, there's so many different ways just to play it as a taker tribe. So many different things you can do with it. And we haven't even gotten to the other two. Um, and then minus one for hit rolls that, uh, for enemy models that are with it. So if you're within th the other one, if you're within three inches of the general, minus one to hit. Because there's a mega gargant standing next to you. You're distracted. Yes. Um, well, any cool stuff in the artifacts? I mean, I know there's some cool artifact stuff here. There are three. All right. Um, so the first of which that I found was the Jaws of the Moglodon. Um, so once per phase... You can reroll one hit roll or wound roll for an attack made by the bear or a save roll. And you cannot reroll one dice for the bear in the same phase. So you can't like reroll a hit and then try to reroll an armor save later. So it's one or the other. Um, but you can see that phase. once per phase. Right. That that comes in helpful. And it's per phase and it's not in your turn either. So it's whatever. In, it's in both turns, basically, isn't it? I mean, I, I got this yes, right. I think I do. It's once per phase. Um, so you get to use it in your enemy shooting phase. When he shoots at you, you get to reroll um, a save. Or in their combat phase, you can reroll a hit that you need to land or a wound or whatever. So it just makes the Gargant much more reliable in terms of damage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Um, then we already talked about the glowy lantern in not so many words um, but the bear can attempt to cast and unbind uh, one spell in the same manner as a wizard um, and he knows arcane bolt mystic shield and then all of the endless spells come into play granted he's going to be your only wizard so you may not be casting a lot of spells but being able to have access to some of the endless spells like I'm specifically looking at the emerald life swarm uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because that heals yeah. buckets and buckets of wounds. Um, that would be something to really keep an eye on. Oh, I didn't think about Emerald Life Swarm. That's, yeah. Uh, what else? And then the sandals. Oh, um, right. Because this is so good. Um, his almighty stomp attack has an attacks characteristic of three instead of two. A rend characteristic of negative three instead of negative two, and a flat damage of three instead of D three. There's and if you go, ahead. go no go ahead. If you take very acquisitive, you could do the jaws and the sandals on the same mega gargant. Oh and yeah, just make that guy just an absolute truck. Right. Oh yeah. There's yeah. Okay. I like this. Now, let's say I don't want to use the Kraken, which, uh, you know, I read this and said, why would I take anything but this? This is already so good. I've got this. I mean, I can. I, I, I The fact that I get 30 instead of 20 models for him and 15 instead of 10 for the little guys, I'm like, already, I'm all in. And then mm -hmm. you start reading the next one, the Stomper Tribes, which is for your War Stomper Mega Gargans. Uh, war Stompers are nomadic they don't uh they don't take layers like the kraken eaters they don't look after specific things like the gate eaters they just like to fight uh in fact sometimes they will they try to make the battle go on longer because they like to fight and the longer the battle goes on the more dead the more they can eat when they're done these guys will go on and if it looks they'll pick the side that's losing 
just to see if they can swing the tide and kill more things. Mm-hmm. And um, make the fight prolong. Mm-hmm. They are also the guy, if they see the artillery of the enemy is taking a bead and shooting at them, they will pick up enemies and just chuck them. And, <laughs> and this is great. They don't have projectiles, but they will pick up the nearest enemy and just chuck it at the other enemies, which I suppose if you pick up even a, just a big dude in armor and hurl him at what? I mean, I'm assuming these guys have a pretty good pitch. Yeah. You know, I mean, they like to throw things. They're big. They're super muscular. If and I'm not saying they're doing a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, but if you got to, say, a 45-mile-an-hour a slow pitch, boom, that guy comes hitting you at the speed of a, of a, of a rate of moving car. This armored thing, he's he's going to smash things. Well, especially if you're doing a 45-mile-an-hour pitch on a steam tank. Oh, oh yeah. That thing going to blow up. He's going to mm-hmm. cause damage. Or you pick up a horse and just throw it at, at, you know, maybe not a steam tank, but you've got a little, you know, uh, a war machine there with a bunch of guys. Things going to break. Things going to smash. I, I love it. Um, and these guys... They're tricksy. They've learned to play dead or play wounded. And then when the enemy surrounds them and thinks they got them, they spring up <laughs> and attack again. Mm-hmm. Um, they like to pick up the armor from their defeated enemies and strap it to themselves to make gauntlets and things to help uh, with the fight. They're also the guys who are clever enough to pick up their when they're getting shot at with arrows to put their hands in front of their face and their large clubs in front of their groin and stuff to just sort of uh, de- to uh, defend against the projectiles. Yeah, got to defend the early bits. <laughs> and my favorite part is they have a favorite enemy. They like to fight the Stormcast. They love to fight. They have joined chaos bands, not being hired and not even being asked. But they see this is whenever they see the big lightning coming from the sky and crashing down in that in that super lightning pattern. That means Stormcast are arriving. They take off running. They don't care who they're fighting or what's happening. They'll smash them. Now, they don't have the good sense to leave meat behind for them. They turn into lightning and go away. But it's kind of like fireworks. It, they like it. It makes them giggle. And then there's still a good. It's still a good fight. Mm-hmm. And this is this is one of your other options. These guys, they're they're clever. They're cunning, but but uh, brutal. These are the cunning but brutal ones. Kicky but stompy. Kicky but stompy. Okay, yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah. so let's go over some of these guys' rules. Yeah, they they're crazy. Um, and these guys are the ones that attract the most man crushers. Uh, to their causes because all they do is fight. They don't take layers. They don't go after specific targets like the gatebreakers, the kraken eaters, as we mentioned. So these guys just want to fight. So naturally, the man crushers kind of like attune to them a little easier. Um, so <laughs> these guys have get stuck in, which is you add one to the damage characteristic. Or you had one to the damage inflicted by each successful attack made by a man crusher gargant that targets a unit with 10 or more models. And you had two instead of one to the damage inflicted for each successful attack if the unit has 20 or more models. So part of the issue with this army is dealing with hordes um, because they're going to get outnumbered so quickly um, with like volumes of attacks, etc., etc. 
this helps even that score. But it's only on the Man Crushers. It's not on the Megas. Okay, but still, the Man Crushers... The, have three it's, attack it's profiles? For, yeah, it's for successful attacks. They get one attack with the Ed Butt that's already at four damage if they're not wounded. So that goes up to five. The Massive Club mm-hmm. starts off with ten flippin' swings, and it's only one damage, but that jumps to two. And then the Mighty Kick, one attack with D, now D3 plus one. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's units of three of these guys a lot of times because it's cheaper to take them in units of three. Yep. So I'm already thinking, oh, I'm definitely getting building Harrison, uh, uh, or I'm going to build, you know, if I'm doing this, I'm definitely going with the Kraken. And then I read this, and oh, wait a minute. If I'm only going to have one or a bunch of them, maybe it's this guy. And then they got a big shout. The general They has- got a lot of big shouts. Well, and here's, this is, this reminds me of the uh, great names from the Ogres. Because you use this, com- it, you can use this at the start of your phase, or the start of your command ability, the start of your move. Oh, there's a, you have to so pick. So there's six different shouts, and you get to use all of them. But you cannot use any of the other generic command abilities. Oh, so you can use any of these? Oh, I misread that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought this was like a great name where you picked one. That's when we get to the Gatebreakers. No, but these are command abilities, so... Yeah. You still gotta, the ones you still got to use command knows. points, though. Yeah, but there's so not a lot in this premium. book that you need command points for until you get to the Stompers. Okay, so let's try to run through these really quick. Uh, I'll, They're I'll take, actually really simple. Okay, I'll take the first one. Uh, this command ability, start of the movement phase. If you do so, you if you make a run roll for a friendly man crusher gargant unit within 18 inches, it's okay. So this one, it's it's a it, your auto six on a run for all man crusher gargants within 18 of him. Yep. Uh, which the size of his plate, and if you just start off with them near them, that first turn, everybody's moving. Fast, because they are all running at a six if you use the one command point. They already move eight, so they're moving mm-hmm. 14 on that first turn if you if you set it up right. Yeah, and the important safety feature is for all of these, it's within, not wholly within. Right. So even if you have your toe in the presence of this Gargant, he can make you do stuff. So what you're saying is as long as this unit is towing the line. Yes. They're doing okay. All right, good. Good, I got you. Exactly. Okay. Um, so the other next one is you get to use a command ability at the start of your shooting phase, and normally you just get to pick a unit to chuck rocks, and it doesn't cost a command point. With this, you can have all Man Crusher Gargan units in the 18 of the general chuck rocks for a command point. Grab those rocks and chuck them at something. That's a great name for an ability. <laughs> yep. All right, what else do we got? Uh, next one is, oi, you, yes, you, charge. Uh, use this command ability at the start of the charge phase. If you do so until the end of the phase, you can reroll charge rolls for gu- man crushers within 18, units within 18. Mm-hmm. All right. And then you've got stop mucking about and hit him. So you get to use this in the combat phase at the start, and until the end of that phase, you get to reroll hit rolls of one for attacks made by man crushers within 18 of the general. Uh, watch your backs, you gormless lot. <laughs> this one at the start of the combat phase, until the end of the phase, reroll save rolls of one for attacks that target friendly man crusher gargant units within 18 of the general. 
yeah. And then the last one is, as you can probably imagine, is where do you think you're going? Uh, so it's using the command ability at the start of the Battleshock phase. Until the end of that phase, you do not take Battleshock tests for Man Crusher Gargan units that are within 18 of the general. That's important because if you take, like, big units of them, like, one or, like, the three, if you lose one, you're potentially in danger for losing more, and that is a lot to lose. Now, they're, so, they're bravery seven, so technically if you only lose one, you shouldn't be able to lose any more. However, as we all know... There is a lot of stuff that negatively affects your bravery. Yeah, the Realm Lords. Let's talk about the Realm Lords, especially the Realm Lords, because suddenly they're going to turn around and be like, uh, you're going to take all of these ones, so you're going to take ten. Mm-hmm. And that that is a huge huge threat to these guys if suddenly you're adding 10 to my role yeah because i thought about that i'm like harrison's realm lords that they're you lose one you've lost the whole unit and at 480 points for a unit of three you're that's you're screwed so this you're com- this screwed, but that's a quarter of your army gone <laughs> that's you're screwed that's that's a huge loss um so the other thing if you notice with all of these, these are all amplified versions of the basic command abilities. So this is why you can't use any other ones. You just have to use them at the start of the phase as opposed to when you need it. So there's a little bit of like free, like preemptive thinking um, when you pop these command abilities. Yeah, but like, well, the start of the Battleshock phase, that one, that's a gimme because... That's all that is in the Battleshock phase is taking the test. So you know you're going to, you know, you know if you want to use it or not. The beauty is it's everything within 18. So if, right. you're, if you're just running him and nine of these guys, three units of three, mm-mm. If, if, what do you mean, mm-mm? No, you do him, two units of three and three units of one. Can, can, you, can, can, it, can it pay that way? Yes. I mean, can you afford it that way? Yes. Okay. Uh, can okay. Now you got me. Why? Why? Okay. Explain so, it, because I don't get it. The issue with this army is that it has one battle line choice, which is your man crusher gargant. Mm-hmm. The issue is for some scenarios where you have to hold objectives with battle line units, you're auto losing. Um, specifically, if you look at the battle plan, better part of valor, mm-hmm. which you can only burn those objectives with battle line units. So granted, if you take a unit of three man crushers as one unit, it counts as your three battle line units. Right. That only counts as one battle line unit for that particular scenario. So you can't win that scenario. I don't, it's an auto loot. But I'm confused. So because there's three objectives for better part of valor. Uh huh. And I've got three units of three. Okay, in this in, in that instance, sure. But then, how do you get the objectives from the other guy? Oh, you can't defend yours and go take his. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but this is how the okay with how the objectives work in that. If you get outside of three inches away from that objective, you lose it. Oh, you have to stay next to it. Okay, uh-huh. so you leave the singles in the backfield, and you let the other two guys go up and try to smash face. The other six guys and the mega gargan, or the two units and the mega gargan. He can't take anything, but he he'll 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 beat the snot out of the guys who are trying to defend it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Now, is that for every army? Like, if you just if you're going with, 
and I, I, well, I, well, we haven't gotten through all this yet. So remind me later, though, that we got to talk about this. Like when you're when sure. you're building your list, because um, I thought if you did one mega gargant and then nine, because that, that's basically all you can do at that point is nine man crusher uh, gargants. Um, that's almost all your points. But if you took them in units, you have a few points left over where you could get a. Uh, you know, uh, command point, or if it's you, enough for a triumph, or triumph, or if you really want. I mean, if you were really playing it, you could, I guess, even you know, cut out one of them and take some endless spells or something like that. If you wanted to go crazy with the cheese whiz, but That's I just only if you're doing kraken eaters, right? So, but I was just thinking um, three units of three. I guess I wasn't thinking about it that way. So, it's okay. All right, so and I think that's going to be an inherent issue that Sons of Ahamah players are going to fall into right away um, because they're not thinking about all the battle plans. Um, and if you roll up better part of Valor, you lose. Like, it's just hard to stop. And when we get to the different builds, because there's only so many varieties of build in this particular book, um, it's just your ratio of Mega Gargans to regulars. Um, you run into better part of Valor and you ought to lose a scenario, that is not a good way to build an army. I guess. So is there ever a scenario where you're going to take multiple Mega Gargans? I don't think you take more than two because um, I think you need um, at least six regulars to mm-hmm. do work um, oh, okay. and work on objectives. So, Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, all right. Command traits. Now, we already said the first three. Uh, extra wounds, save roll, re-rolls, and plus one of the attack uh, characteristics of the Boulder Club. Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, now he's the, these are the guys who they have a, the ability to pick up a body and chuck it at the enemy. You can re-roll the dice that determine if the target is killed or if you, or if you throw him. Or, kill, or if he's mm-hmm. killed and thrown. So you get a re-roll on that if you want. Um, yeah. I think... I, I, now... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think very shouty is a very important command trait for this particular army. Uh, yes. If the general's on the battlefield at the start of the first battle round, which I'd assume he has to be, you get D3 extra command points. Right. So that's important. And then... Uh, that is massively important for this, for the War Stompers in particular. Because I, I see that almost as the auto-take. It is. Okay, because the other one, the last one is nice. I like it. Um, this general can charge. He he can charge with an eighteen, and he gets a three d six charge, which sounds great, especially with your other guys being able near him. But you don't want him to get too far away from his man eaters. And then I I'm still taking very shouty because you got the big shouts. Yeah, you just have so much more versatility in your use of command points with playing war stompers. So having all those extra command points to build up um, because you may not get to them until turn two. So on average, you'll have maybe four or five command points turn two, depending on how things go in your role. So then you can start doing these things. You get the command point economy because you're not spending points per individual unit of man crushers. So you really start to like see the, whole principle pay dividends cool Uh, yeah so and they only have three artifacts you want to take these sure uh so the first one the cestus is you get to re-roll save rolls that target the bearer 
In addition, if a reroll is an unmodified six and the attack was made with a melee weapon, the attacking unit takes a mortal wound. Um, this is like the thunder shield for the stormcast guys. It is. Okay. Um, but it also replaces essentially old and gnarly because it just does all of them. Um, club of the first oak, so they get to heal a wound in their hero phase. Um, but in addition, if the bear is slain, roll a die before you take him off the table. And on a four up, that wound is negated and he stands back up. And all wounds that have not been allocated yet are negated. So if he had two wounds left and he took 16 unsaved wounds from whatever reason. He still gets to roll a die and he stands up with one wound left. And the rest are just washed away. Okay. Um, then the other one is uh, friendly gargants have a bravery characteristic of 10. While there were 12 of him, and they get to reroll charges for friendly gargants uh, within 12 of him. Uh, that one's okay. I think the Cestus is the big one, just to give a four up save with a reroll. So, yeah. No, I like that one too. Um, and then we get to the Breaker tribes. And let's talk about the gate breakers really quick, and then you can we can go over what's cool with these guys. And I know it's a lot of rules, but gosh, I mean, we're actually it's we, heck, we're only an hour and a half into the show, man. I mean, come on now, and we're almost done with all the rules, and we're getting into the just the units. Uh, mm-hmm. Gate breaker. These are the most merciless and most cruel. These are the rotten guys. Okay, um, they love attacking cities because they know there's good eating inside. Uh, and they have it says that they have three reasons. Okay. Um, they know being near civilization where Sigmar puts these people, like you said, if you can crack the shell, there's a tasty scent. There's a tasty caramel center in there when you can get to the, to the people to eat. Uh, secondly, um, these pipsqueaks are building up walls and thinking they're going to keep me out. Really? No, 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 no. They got to be shown. So the second one is just. They, you know, they got to prove that what these pipsqueaks, as they call them, are doing ain't gonna is, is not effective against these mega gargants. Um, and then finally, on a really deep level, they know that it was the forces of civilization that killed Bayamot, just like Sigmar killed Imnog. Uh, they want to kill Sigmar, but they just aren't ready to do it yet. Um, but I love how they realized it's civilization in general that killed Yimnog because once Sigmar started to come back and try to rebuild and then chaos runs through and it was them that started to pull all that stuff apart and that's why Bayamot got killed because of the struggles between chaos and the basically the forces of civilization, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, they wear hoods of dark leather oftentimes to imitate executioners. Uh, they like to wield masonry and statuary, not because they're using the enemy's objects against them, but just because they're bigger, heavier, and stronger than trees. Uh, yeah, they're much better for smashing down walls. Yeah, and they tend to wear stuff that they smash. Um, they often put the gates or the doors or the portcullises uh, like in front of their, like wrapped around right in front of their groins, like those leather parts that are in front of the stormcast. Because the door is what protects and keeps everything out that they don't want in, and they're going to protect their their uh, their meat and tubits. Yep, uh, with the with that stuff. Um, and these are the guys who often follow uh, armies of the dead, and it's pretty clever. Uh, they realize that the armies of the dead don't eat 
anyone and don't take anything. So if you go fight with an undead army after they go through and sack the city, the army of the undead moves on and you have an, a city full of food and treasure that nobody else wants. <laughs> For the most part, yeah. Uh, the problem is eventually they start to, their skin starts to get pale and saggy. Their eyes get hollow. They don't eat as much. They don't sleep as much. And... Um, <laughs> I love this part. It's my favorite part. To the rest of their kindred, these elder gatebreakers are unsettling but never shunned. A gargant is a gargant, and that's all there is to it. And if anything, they welcome them because even though they still take great pleasure in smashing down the walls of cities, these palateras tend to leave their share of the food and trophies just lying around in the streets. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the other guys don't mind fighting with them because why not? These guys don't even take the, the spoils. But they are the most brutal, and they are the most fighty. So uh, let's now their battle trait list is a little bit long here. It just looks long because these guys do have like the big names sort of thing. Oh, this one is the big name. So they you pick one of these. Correct. All right. So um, you want to take these uh, battle traits? Sure. So we'll start with breaking down the houses. Um, so this one you have to pay attention to the war scroll. And the battlefield, because um, you add one to the damage inflicted for each successful attack made by a friendly man crusher gargant, uh, the target's unit that's part of a garrison or is wholly on or within a terrain feature. So a lot of your attacks have pretty good rend um, across this army. So you're probably going to want to get into cover. You don't want to do that against a breaker tribe because they're just going to smash you even harder. Because you're hiding. Well, these are the guys that that trash everything around them. They they mm-hmm. literally will break down the walls of the cities. If you run into a, a like a forest piece of terrain and you go to hide, they're going to smash the trees down on top of you. They don't care if they see. They'll just flatten everything. Right. You run into a building, they're going to flatten the building. They're going to do any of that. Um, I'm Speaking sorry. Keep going. Which, yeah. So in addition, at the end of the combat phase, you can pick. One fr- one terrain feature within three inches of a friendly man crusher gargan unit, and roll a die, and you add the number of models in that unit to the roll. And on a seven plus, that terrain feature is reduced to rubble. So all of its cer- uh, cer- scenery, scenery rules are replaced with deadly, and then they change the keywords to scenery and rubble. So if you don't like Ossiarch Bone Reapers with their necropolis messing you up. Uh, just break it down. A unit of three gargants runs up to it, and the, on a four, on a four plus, it. it's just gone. You don't like that bad moon thing running around. You just trash it. You don't like the wild the, woods, the boat wrecks. Yep. Uh, the corn altars. <laughs> so <Just> destroy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That see, and I looked at this going, uh, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh wait, that's really cool because I read that you're a dude. Does anybody go? I mean, do we go into buildings anymore? Is that part of the rules anymore? Do people garrison stuff in this army? Is there rules for that? For this army, no. No, is there rules for that for any? Like, I mean, yes, we do go into buildings now. There's limits to how and the, how, the rules to how mm-hmm. we fight and stuff like that. Okay, someone's gonna have to explain that crap to me because I didn't even see that in any of the rules when I was looking through stuff. I believe it's in the handbook. Is it? Of um, course it is, because I'm an idiot and I don't read. We know. Um, but in any event, so you have to really pay attention to the table um, and just to make sure that you're not wholly within terrain anymore. So you won't get the cover bonus. 
but also you may not get smashed to pieces even harder. So there's just a lot you have to pay attention to when you're fighting against gatebreakers. Um, and then the other one is the fierce loathings. So they have an irrational hatred for certain trappings of civilization. So you get to pick one of these loathings and that applies to gatebreakers and man crusher gargants. So the first, and you, it's pretty much you get to add plus one to hit to various things. So for the first one, it's bossy pants and clever cogs. So that's uh, targeting heroes or wizards. You get to add plus one to hit rolls. Um, and Idiots includes, with flags. <laughs> yes. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made by units with this ability to target a totem keyword or a unit with any command models. We may not have a lot of flags for some units. But we have a lot of unit champions. Yeah. Um, then we've got the Shinians. So that's a unit that is not a hero or monster with a save of one, two, three, or four plus. Um, crowds add one to hit rolls. Uh, if the unit has 20 or more models, wannabes. So that's attacking things that are war machines or monsters because they want to be as big as them. Or piggybackers, which is... Um, if you target a unit with a mount, and the mount is not a monster. Okay, I got a question about one of these, though. Can we go back to idiots with flags? Yep. Command models. Now, is that just the champion, or is that the champion and the standard bearer? Champion, musician, and standard bearer. Okay, champion, musician, and standard bearer. So in units where you can take multiples... Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I mean, I, I see. In fact, I was having this conversation literally yesterday with Rotor. Um, the one of the units I'm building for Harrison says one in every five can have a standard. One of every five models can be a standard bearer, and it lets you reroll a uh, battle shock test or whatever. Right. And I said, well, why wouldn't I put, make one in every five be it? And it's like, well, because they get the crappier weapon. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want the crappier weapon, so I'm only going to put one one flag in this unit of ten. But if I did take two, plus I got a champion, until I start no. pulling those out, then... No, 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 no. What? It's not... You get plus one for every command model. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but as long as they have any in it. So there would be... Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're taking a unit that can take multiple multiple banners and stuff like that, it's not like, oh, look, he's getting plus one. He's really smashing stuff up. Maybe I will take out that one. If you got th- two or three or four, it's just going it, it, to... It's... I'm just saying that as the guy who's doing the attacking, again, and if you choose idiots okay. with flags, the odds that you're going to get to keep using that ability on that unit, it's going to be longer because there's more of them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's not a huge difference, but I was just thinking about it because I was literally asking if I should have multiple like extra command models in that unit. Right. Okay. But you just pick one at the beginning. So is there mm-hmm. any is there any particular one? Because, I mean, especially if we're going to go play, and, and I hate to just constantly think of tournament play because I don't know when I'm going to get to another one. And when you're playing but with that's friends. that's what we're going to be playing the most and in of most varied metas. So, so um, what do you pick? Idiots. Idiots with flags? That's Hands down. That's what you're going to get the most utility out of that particular ability. Um, you could argue Shinians because there's so much... Uh, with that save, but if you run into something like Daughters of Cain, like you just no. 
Oh, that's so, true. You just get more utility out of idiots with flags. Yeah, because I was even thinking crowds, the but there's sounding not- of them. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to run through the command traits really quick, and then you can take the artifacts of power for these guys. So again, the wounds, the save rolls, uh, plus the attacks on the Fort Crush a Flail, and then you got extremely bitter. You can choose or roll for two abilities from the Fierce Loathing table instead of one. So that's actually not bad. You could take idiots with flags and take another one. Mm-hmm. So that's not bad. Smasher. When you use their smash down ability, you can reroll the dice roll that determines if the f- terrain feature is turned to rubble. That's cool. And finally, sees red. When the general's within nine inches of a terrain feature that can have a garrison, when you look up the value on this general's damage table, they're they're treated as if they have zero wounds. So uh, I don't know. I'm looking at this thinking either extremely bitter or smasher. Am I wrong? So the thing with C's red um, is that the unit doesn't, or the train feature doesn't have to be garrisoned. It just has to have the ability to have a garrison. Right. So it just really depends on the tables that you're playing on. I think it's too situational. That's so what I was thinking. It would be bitter or smasher. Yeah, because you'd have to be, and not only. Do they have to have it on there? But you have to be near it. And so, unless there's a bunch of them on the table, if there's only one, you're you're. It only works if you're sticking around this piece of terrain. Right. Okay. So, no. And you want to take the artifacts of power? Sure. So uh, there's only three: the enchanted portcullis. So it's a six-up negate save against wounds and mortal wounds, uh, which is great. Um, the great Rekka. So if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by the flail is a six that attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to normal damage and in ability and in addition when you use the bear's smash down ability you can add one to the dice roll to determine if the terrain feature has been reduced to rubble so that combines really nice with the smasher command trait um oh yeah then the last one is the king slaughter cowl so you get to reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made by the bear that target a hero. And in addition, you get to reroll wound rolls for attacks made by the bear that target a general. So he wants to go after like the uppities, like the ones that order these cities to build, to be built, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, I kind of like the great Rekka and the smasher just because I want to just destroy terrain. Like if I'm playing this, the breakers, I want to run around and just destroy everything just out of principle that you can. Mm-hmm. But that's just me because I, I play dumb. <laughs> but it sounds like fun to me. No, and it is probably the combination I would do. Oh, okay. Because um, I think with the gate breakers, you want to do the two megas and six regulars set up um, because they're, when we get to their worst goal, their attacks are fairly inaccurate. Um, so I would want to do two of them in order to maximize potential. So here's my other question. If you're going to do multiple Mega Gargans, do you take the same type? Because if you're doing Kraken Eaters, um, I think you're fine just taking one Kraken Eater and then a War Stompa because they're cheaper. Um, I think there is a merit to taking a Gatebreaker in a Kraken Eater or a Kraken Eater in a Gatebreaker. Um, 
the only issue with the gate breakers is that the loathings won't apply to the Kraken Eater. Right. And that's, so, yeah. for that one, you would probably want two. Um, but it also just depends if you want to play uh, football with objectives. So it really just depends on how, what you think you're going to need um, okay. to get out of the gate breakers. For the war stompas, I would personally just take one Mega Gargant and run away. Um, I don't see a point in taking multiple Mega Gargants and a war stompa. Because all of your benefits are to benefit the man crushers. So I would maximize man crushers. Now, you could do three mega gargants and that one unit of three um, man crushers. But like we talked about before with the better part of Valor scenario where you essentially ought to lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think taking three is the smart way to play. It's fun as all get out uh, to have three big stompy boys and then three good size stompy boys yeah um oh can i ask I, did, did you did you were you, were you did you did you work on this one did you i did you did okay i didn't know if i'm even allowed we're allowed to talk about that so i just totally wasn't i forgot if we could or not so i just so you did work okay cool yeah um and this it's just a really interesting book um just in terms of like all the different breakdowns with the abilities the different combinations you can make um just inherent never mind the mercenary rules um well, do you want to yeah. do, do talk mercenary rules after we come back, or do we want to go through them quickly now and then talk with the, the different things and how you would take them? It's yeah, we you. can talk about the mercenaries. Okay. Um, so uh, these guys, we've had the mercenary rules before, um, where if you take a mercenary unit, you don't get your command point for the first turn. Right. Uh, that's their general rule for disturbing presence. Um now, these guys are obviously more than what you'd normally be allowed to take for ally points um, in most games. So you can take them. It is the exception, but you don't get any other allies. Right. Um, it's and kind then of like obviously taking, they kind of uh, use your... It's hmm? kind of like taking... Um, Gotrek. Gotrek, yeah. Yeah, so they count against your heroes, they count against your behemoth limit, um, but they don't count for anything else. Um, so order and destruction armies can take a Kraken Eater mm-hmm. as a mercenary. Um, and you essentially get the Kraken Eater War Scroll plus the ability of Dead Cunning for a Gargant. Um, so at the start of the combat phase, you can say that the model will be uncannily cunning. And if you do so, he fights at the end of that combat phase, but you can reroll hit rolls for attacks made by him. Just all of them. That's 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 good. If he's fighting something that you think you can sit and live through and not change your profile too much, there's no reason for you not to do this. Right. Now, if you decide you want to take a war stomper, he can go into chaos and destruction armies. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll notice, okay, so you get order with the Kraken Eater, you get chaos with the war stomper, and you get death with the Gatebreaker. Um, and they can all be in destruction. So any of these, you can pick any of them to go with ogres or orcs. Mm-hmm. So if you go for chaos with the war stomper, he gets all of his abilities plus reroll hit rolls of one for the jump up and down attacks and subtract one from hit rolls made by enemy units within six inches of this model if this model did do any jump and down attacks earlier in the same phase. So if you're in the combat phase, 
you kind of want to pick him early to get him doing his jump up and down because then any units near him are minus one to hit. Because a 100-foot Gargant jumping up and down, smashing things, is going to really put you off your your, your battle. That's mm-hmm. just gonna, you know? Yeah. And then you've got uh, Big Drug, Fort Kicker, the Gatebreaker mercenary. So what does he get? What No, nah, he's uh, death and de- what does he get to do? He's death and destruction. Um, so his thing is he essentially has a breath weapon called Grievous Halitosis. Um, so at the end of the <laughs> combat phase, you get to pick an enemy unit within three inches of him and roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit that are within three inches of him. And on a six, that unit suffers a mortal wound for each six. So if you got a bunch of small, like, 25 mil base models coming up, and there's a... I mean, you could get, with the size of these guys' bases, 10, 15, 20 attacks, literally, if they're kind Easy. of all around them. Yeah. Cool. And that's and that's how... And that's the mercenaries. So basically, you can take one per army, uh, and there's no other mercenaries. And yeah, you lose your command point because the, the unit's like, well, what is that guy doing there? So you kind of taking them a minute to get in in their heads around it and then they all get some special abilities on top of their cool rules so Mm -hmm. all right um i'm thinking it is time for a break so what i would like to do is um when we come back we got four units with a bunch of rules to talk about and then alex maybe you can uh pontificate a little bit longer on uh on how these uh, how how you make an army with these guys. Sure. All right, we'll be back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we're back, we're back. Yes, we are, we're back. That's where we are. We are back. That's where we are. I think I'm just going to do that. I think I'm going to make up theme songs to the music from the commercials as we come back from them. Isn't that a great idea? Don't you love that? You love that. Admit it. Admit it. So, the Sons of Bama... (laughs) um, They have a lot (laughs) of rules um, and a lot of special abilities that are duplicated across 
all three of the Mega Gargan Scroll. Right, right, right. Um, so we should probably cover those as general purposes. Um, and then also something I just noticed, the Mega Gargants all have the Gargant keyword in addition to the Mega Gargant keyword. Oh, yeah. And that's important for like the War Stompers, Mantle of the Destroyer, because you get to reroll charge rolls for Gargants, so he would affect himself. And um, in addition to the Man Crushers, or there's a couple other things that affects Gargant units. Well, it affects the big guys, too. Alex, so. noticing stuff, paying attention and things. All right. It's a thing. All right. So these guys all have the same basics uh, with regards to their movement, um, save and bravery. So their move, the Kraken Eater goes from 11 to 7 for his movement based on wounds. The War Stompa goes from 10 to 6. And then the Gatebreaker goes from 12 to 8, uh, depending on wounds. So they're so, all slightly different than that. But where they're all the same is 35 wounds, 4 up, save, 7 bravery. Yeah. It's a lot of wounds. <laughs> it's. Uh, they all have a death grip attack, which is a 3-inch range um, attack with Ren 3 and D6 damage. So that's the big thing to notice. Um and if you're fighting against a monster, they all have death grip, which is they get to reroll once to hit if that death grip attack targets a monster. Okay, so that death grip is threes by twos. Three rend, rend- damage, D6. Yes, and you get to reroll once to hit if you're fighting a monster. Because it's easier to grab onto because it's big. Yes. <sighs> okay. Um, they all have crushing charge as well, right? After yes. this model makes a move, roll a die for each enemy unit within one inch of this model. Sorry. On a two-up, that unit takes D3 mortals. If it's a monster, it takes D6 mortal. Oh, no, it takes D3 mortals if it's a monster, D6 if it's not a monster. So after you charge, every unit within an inch on a two-up is going to take some mortal wounds. It's it's uh, it's impact hits, right? It's essentially impact hits, yeah. yeah. Um. um they also have long shanks. So this one is when it makes a normal move, you can ignore models that have a wounds characteristic of 10 or less and terrain features that are less than four inches tall at their highest point. Um, and obviously you cannot finish the move on top of another model or within three inches of an enemy model. Um, this is not going to come into play terribly often. Um, but the big thing is if someone's trying to screen you out from getting behind them with a Mega Gargant, um, you can just walk right over them. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and then they have one more common rule. I think it's only... No, there's a couple more, more common rules. Man! Okay. Uh, Sons of Bayamot. If a spell or ability would kill it without any wounds or mortal wounds being inflicted, it takes... So when Archeon uses his sword and on a six-up, you just go into the warp... On the double six, yeah. Yeah, instead on this, you just take D6 mortals instead. Mm-hmm. And anything that would just delete you without any real wounds, you just get deleted. You can't delete a Mega Gargan. It's just too darn big. Right. What else we got in this? Uh, terror. So you get to subtract one from the bravery characteristic of enemy units while they're in three inches of a Mega Gargan because, I don't know. Because it's a it's Mega Gargan? Right. <laughs> 
and then the less is timber. <laughs> uh, so when he dies, but before the model is removed, um, the players roll off, and the winner picks a point uh, within five inches of this model, and every within three inches of that point takes D three mortal wounds, unless it's a mega gargan. Wait, and it picks a point five inches from the model, so it has to be five <clears throat> inches away. It's not within. Do you get pick a point on the battlefield five inches? So okay, and every okay, cool. So they they're interestingly very similar because they all have. I mean, they're all mega gargants. So where they where they uh, differentiate is on their like. Uh, there's two special rules for the kraken eater that are unique. There's two for. Well, there's three for the kraken eater that are unique. Oh, three. I believe there's two for the Mega Gar, uh, the War Stomper. Three. Three? Oh, I'm missing one then. I must have not noticed it. It's okay. That's why you have me. Oh, okay. And then, so they each got a couple of. So let's start with the Kraken Eater. We've already talked about all his special things. He gets the extra artifacts, he gets the extra wounds when you. or extra what counts as models. Um, and what does he get? Now. When you're picking this guy, what cool stuff does he get to do? So you get to reroll hit rolls of one for his stomp attack, unless you're targeting a monster. Um, and that stomp is two attacks, threes by threes, run two damage, G3. Cool. Um, he's also got Get Orf Me Land. Uh, so we talked about this where he can kick objective markers, and that's in the hero phase, um, up to 2d6 inches away. So it just automatically happens. You just say in your hero phase, go away okay um he's also got stuff him in me net um so after he piles in you get to pick up to d3 enemy models within three inches of him and roll a die for each of them and if the roll is at least double that model's wound characteristic it is slain so it's kind of like how the star drakes have that ability that they pile in and they snap at things mm-hmm. um it's the same principle now i can pick the models let's say i roll three yep I can pick three models, and then I roll for each model. Mm-hmm. So I could totally, if I'm fighting last, I can break coherency in these units if if I pick it just right. Correct. I can also go in and completely muck up the uh, that formation that the Realm Lords start with. The Shining Company? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, but you also get to pick out the characters. So if you can eat the unit champions out of the units of the realm lords they're no longer wizards <laughs> okay so that's pretty cool this kraken eater just seems I, I just like him i think i like him the most but there's so many he's other cool. cool things he is cool yeah uh and so is that it for his rules he's also got a missile weapon that the that others right. don't uh he gets to throw junk which is pretty much the same thing as the uh throw rocks attack um but just gets, three attacks, fours by threes, run one damage, D3, varying range. And then his club is three inches, anywhere from eight to five attacks, three by three, run two, damage two. So the damage two is very like, uh, just damage two. But then you say, oh, I have eight attacks with damage two. That's a potential 16 damage. Uh, I had this conversation with, uh, I was talking with someone about this. And... You got, there's only one of two ways to go with this, okay? 
yeah, it's only damage two, but you have a bajillion attacks. Okay, so maybe they swing and they just clip one guy. Maybe they swing and they just get it low to the ground and get a good scoop and take out all 16, you know. But if you're going to have a bunch of attacks, you can't have a ton. The only other option is you, you, you have this giant club, which only gets like one or two attacks, but it's like damage six. You know, mm-hmm. which seems like that's kind of what I was expecting because that club, it's a, I mean, they literally you read this book and they're swinging trees at you. They're swinging trees, full-on oak trees. They're holding it by one end and swinging it at you. Or, you know, entire columns from large buildings. Those things should destroy. I mean, if, if you get hit with that, you're dead. It should be like six damage. But then if they do that, then you're only going to get like one or two attacks, which I could see that I can totally see the argument for. They're big they're slow, they're lumbering, they're only going to get one or two swings in. They shouldn't get eight attacks. They're not, a, they're not a thresher, you know, they're a tractor. You know, they're coming in with one, they're just slow and steady. They're like a steamroller. Um, I'm not certain why they picked the more attacks, you know, other than, you know, it's, you can, people like to roll buckets of dice and then you do have a bit of a, you know, maybe I maybe I swung poorly and only clipped one guy, you know, as opposed to hitting them all. So if you think about it in terms of I'm going to come down with one swing, you're going to have guys that are going to get out of the way of that swing. Mm-hmm. You're still going to play. They're naturally just going to be stuck under the club. So you're still going to be doing like a wider range of damage, but it's more consistent, which would be more realistic for a club coming and smashing down on your head. See, and like I said, and that's the argument. It, it, right. you, it, when I look at this, it makes, I would have, when I, if I was writing this, and Lord knows I am not the guy to write rules, okay? I am not claiming to know how to write rules. I'm not claiming I should write rules. None of that, okay? Just, I want to put that as a disclaimer. I would have gone with one or two attacks with like six damage and just been like, if it hits, it smashes. But you don't have that many swings. I understand this way you're still probably going to get a good six damage in, but there's a possibility that everybody jumps out of the way, and there's a possibility that nobody jumps out of the way, and then you get 16 damage. I, I understand why it was picked, but you got to look at that and say, man, these guys are 100 feet tall, and they're swinging clubs that are 30 feet long and 7 feet wide. Two damage seems dumb. And, I mean, it does. It seems dumb. And when I first looked at it, I was like, well, I mean, I get it. I prob I probably would have gone the other way, but then again, I'm the idiot behind the mic in his basement who barely ever plays, not the guys who play test and write rules. So, what do I know? I'm I'm just I personally I I totally get the whole uh you should probably have had, you know, had it go the other way. But once again, just that's my opinion. So, I don't know what you think. If you disagree with me, you feel free to say so. Um um I do, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's different points of view, and everything's fine. Right, and you know, once again, I, I see, I, I see both sides of it. Um, it's, it's, it, it's not going to ruin this whole army for me. It just seems weird to me. So yes, when you see the meme of like, oh, his shipwreck club is damaged too. Well, so is the club that Lotan's octopus has. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but it's not as accurate. It doesn't have the rend or the volume of attacks, so that's where it evens out. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, the war stomper. Okay. Uh, 
he does not have the throwing attack that the mega gar- that the kraken eater does. Um, he's got the same death grip. His jump up and down is, and all of his attacks are three inch range. So we'll just put that in there. Um, his jump up and down is always four attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage d three. And you get to reroll hit rolls of one for jump up and down, unless you're attacking a monster, which is pretty awesome. And he also um, had that that special ability where with with his uh, jump up and down. Wasn't that one of the things in here? Yes, there. That was one of the things for the war stomper in the um, stomp a tribe, as well as uh, the mercenary version. Right. Where if he jumps up and down, he gets the minus one bubble. Okay. Um, he's also got uh, the hurled body special rule. So once per combat phase, so this is your opponents and yours, you can pick an enemy model within three inches of him and roll a dice, and you add the modifier on his chart that goes anywhere from plus two to negative two. Um, and if the roll is at least double the enemy's wound characteristic it is slain and you get to roll another dice and on a four plus you get to pick an enemy within 12 inches of him uh that he can see which is most of the table and that unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the wounds characteristic of the slain model so he's gonna pick it up and kill it either way but more uh, than likely uh, yes. but i'm just saying if he gets to if he gets that first roll done that model's dead. On a four-up, he's going to chuck that corpse, like we said. And whatever. So he's rolling a D6. He could conceivably take a, a model, if, he's doing, if he rolls well, like a three-wound model. You can pick up uh, you know, some elite Stormcast guy and then chuck him, and whatever that wound characteristic is, three. I mean, it could conceivably a wound characteristic of four, although I don't know who have wound characteristics of four. But with the plus two, you... Ogres. Oh, they have a four? I thought they had a five. Okay. Oh, regular grunt ogres are fours. So if I rolled a six and I'm playing against the with this against ogres, that's an eight with the plus two if I don't have too many wounds. I pick that thing up. It's dead, and I get to chuck it at another unit and do another four mortal wounds. Or no, D3. No, it's a four. It's, just, it's whatever its wound character. That's fun. Yeah, this is similar, to, and a lot of these are rules that are similar to the ones that the Gargans or that the Giants used to have in Warhammer Fantasy, where they got to jump up and down on things, where they yell and bawled at things, or they picked up and threw things, or shoved them in their socks, or whatever. So these are all rules that have hearkened to. The only thing these guys giants. don't have that they had was constantly like after like they they, they were constantly in danger of falling over. Yeah, they don't have the fall over. They're a little more Which is good. lively. Yeah. yeah. And then the final special rule is their boulder club. You want to go and explain this one? Yeah. So this one's nuts. Um, the attack's characteristic of a titanic boulder club is equal to the number of enemy models within three inches of the model that's attacking. Um, you get to add the boulder club value um, to the total. Now, that's... Anywhere, depending on wounds, it's a plus four down to none. Right, and you add four to the total for each enemy monster within three inches of the attacking model. And if the uh, modified attacks characteristic of the Boulder Club is less than one, it counts as being one. And if the modified attacks characteristic of the Boulder Club is more than ten, it's just always ten. So 
in general, because of the reach and everything, he's always going to have 10 attacks. Threes by threes, Ren 2, damage 2. That's good. That's 20 potential damage. We like that. Threes uh, by threes, yeah. Ren 2, damage 2. All right, so that's if you go with the War Stomper. Now, if you decide yeah. to go with the Gatebreaker, and that's the one that has all the special rules for... Uh, that's the one that gets to do all the bonuses. Wait, which one does all the bonuses with his units of Mega Gargans? That's the Stompers. Okay, the War Stomper gets all the bonuses to the Mega all the, to bonus, the all the bonuses to the crat to the Man Crushers. The Gatebreaker gives the Man Crushers abilities as well, depending on the loathing. Oh, that's right, and then they get to destroy terrain. Okay, <laughs> goodness. Yeah. So they've got the uh, they got the stomp the special rule, okay. They got the death. Okay, so which 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 of these rules are different? So he's got the almighty stomps. They get to reroll ones to hit for their stomp unless they're targeting a monster. Right. That's one. Um, that that's one they all have. They all have the crushing charge. I'm just trying to remember what they all have. They all have the death grip. And then, yep. And yep. long shanks and son of Bahamut and timber and terror. The other thing that this guy has is smash down. So he's only so, got one extra special rule. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But it's a lot of special rule. Okay. Um, so you get to add one to the damage inflicted by each successful attack made by this model that targets a unit that is part of a garrison or is wholly honor within a terrain feature. Um, I will come back to why that's disgusting in a minute. Um, and in addition, at the end of the combat phase, you can pick a terrain feature within three inches of him and roll a dice. And if the roll is equal to or greater than the smashdown value on his table, it is reduced to rubble. So it becomes deadly and rubble. Um, okay, so wait a minute. All the, the units of Mancrusher Gargants, they got to roll a 7-up to destroy it. And add the number of models in the unit, yeah. Right. They, they roll a die, add the number of models, and they, if they get a 7 or better, they destroy it. I, I totally missed this. He can just destroy it on his own. Mm-hmm. And as long as he's taken 12 wounds or less, he does it on a two. Yeah. He's got to get down to only four wounds left to have the, uh, or no, 31 wounds taken. Because if you take that thing where it gives him 40 wounds, it's still 31 wounds taken. And he's still doing it on a six up. Yeah. And then if you take the smasher command ability, you get to reroll that value, that number. Um, and then with the Great Rekka, you get to add one to determine if you destroy it. So the accuracy of destroying terrain with this guy is insane. Wow. If you build it that way. So outside of special terrain that your enemy brings to the table, is there a real reason to destroy terrain other than it's fun? Uh, it's fun. It prevents the other guy from getting cover. Um, oh, because if it's rubble, there's no cover anymore. Right. Or if it's something that they were getting a benefit from, uh, like commanding or something like that, um, where they could potentially get command points or mystical. Um, so like they all have the random traits, but if you break it, it doesn't get anything anymore. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay, that makes sense now. All right. Now, so this guy does have a missile weapon attack. 
uh, anywhere from 18 to 6 inches. It's just one attack. Threes by twos, rend three, damage four. He's just or chucking boulders. damage five if he's chucking at something in a, da- in a garrison or in a terrain feature. Because he gets plus one to his damage. Okay. Yeah. He's got his stomp. They already have... Um, Right? He's got his death yep. grip. They've already got it. And then he's got his flail, which starts yep. off with ten attacks. It drops down to five. Fours by threes. Rend three. Damage three. Starting or four at, if you're in train. And, or, oh, oh, this guy. Can, there's a potential for so much damage here. It's bananas. Yeah. He can do 40 um, out of this is obviously if you roll bananas, um, he can do forty on the flail, um, or if he has the louder than words, he can get up to forty-eight uh, just from the flail. Uh, if all things are considered, seven from the death grip, eight more from the stomp, um, and then the uh, crushing charge for mortal wounds. So he can do a lot of damage. He's just not super accurate. That's his downside. Okay. Because he hits on fours with his club, whereas everyone else is hitting on threes. Oh, okay. All right. And then let's cover real quick the Man Crusher Gargants. And then, Alex, you can start telling us about cool things to do, because I'm certain you know how to build some decent lists with this and have some advice for the players. It's really easy. Um, (laughs) But the narrative with the Man Crushers, we should cover that first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost forgot. And this is fantastic. This is probably one of the better parts of the lore in general is explaining what happens to a man crusher and his whole process. Um, because we've had gargants before. And, and they were the, the ale guzzlers. Yes. They're the ones that are, or the, and they, they're in the gets book where it's just, they're just drunks and they just kind of lurch out and do whatever. Um, and they don't really like, do anything other than just drink and eat and fart. Um, and that's pretty much their entire existence. It's just blissful stupidity. Right. They get um, really bad hangovers. They stay in caves until they get over their hangovers and they go out and drink again. Yeah. So they're just constantly like party boys. But the big difference is when they feel the thud of a mega gargant lumbering off to war, they will instinctively like drag themselves out of their stupors and go and chase after him and track down obviously through the footprints or whatever, and they will keep going. Um, the mega gargans, yes, they move. They don't move particularly fast, but they tread a lot. Well, they do um, kind of move fast because they got stride. a 10 meter step. So yeah, that's yeah. they're mo- They're covering a lot of ground, but they have to sleep because they take so much energy to move. So the would be gargant, will just follow after them until they can catch up to them when they're sleeping. And then they basically, you know, set up a fire, grab something to eat, and they wait for this mega gargant to get up. And then they talk to the mega gargant in whatever way necessary. And if they can find common cause, then he essentially becomes a toe, as it were, and follows along after his adopted big brother. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically they chase after him and say, "Hey, can I fight with you?" And if they can, yeah. if they can, if they can talk him into letting him fight with him, they do. 
And yeah. here's where it and gets then, really cool, though. This I thought was really a clever bit of the story. Um, yeah. they uh, they don't get any ale, really, at the end of battles where normally they would drink everything and get drunk. The mega gargant takes all of that, so they basically sober up. Mm-hmm. And when they sober up, they realize they're strong. <laughs> And they already knew they were strong, but they start to get... First, they get a little ornery. They probably get a little bit of withdrawal. Mm-hmm. But they get more ornery, but then their head clears up, and they become better fighters, and they become man crushers, basically when they stop being the drunks. That's just a weird bit of story, and I know there's more to it. Go ahead and run. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off and start telling the story by that. I, I, no, no. I interrupt that, all that's time. the thing, is it's like they were reduced to these like brutes, during the age of chaos because they just got so on the glutton aspect with regards to the eating and the drinking and essentially just smashing everything to pieces. The Gargant race is actually more intelligent than most scholars will give it credit for when they're not under the influence of alcohol. (laughs) So uh, once their brain clears up, they like remember really who they are and they're like, even just the profiles change from an ale guzzler to a man crusher is just substantial because it's not random attacks. Yeah. It's like consistency, which is something that gargants are not normally known for. And plus to keep up with the mega gargants, they got to move more. They basically get more exercise and, mm-hmm. and they get tougher. They get leaner and tougher as they follow them. This it's, 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 it's weird. It's these guys who are, you know, basically drunks and alcoholics going out and getting cleaned up and becoming real fighters again. It's it's such a cool bit of the story, like you said. Yeah, because like even with uh, the ale guzzlers um, on their war scroll, they have three d six to d six attacks with their club, depending on how much damage they take. These guys are standard ten to four, so they're not as random, um, and they don't have like the abilities for like being hung over. Like the ale guzzlers do. Right. Because they're not drunk. They do things like they're supposed to do. So so what are the what are the special rules? Let's run down this really quick. Uh, they got the one ed butt, fours by threes, rend three. Damage starts from four drops to one. That's always good. Uh, the massive club, like you said, ten attacks down to four. Threes by threes, one rend, one damage. And they got a good kick, uh, one kick, threes by threes, rend two damage, D3. But then they've got some cool special abilities. So if you want to, uh, you want to hit these. Sure. So they have keep up. So if the unit of man crushers is within twelve of a friendly mega gargant at the start of the charge phase, it can attempt to run and charge because they're slower and they got to keep up and try to impress the boss. Yep. So that's pretty cool. They have stomping charge. So after they make a charge move, you pick an enemy within an inch of the model and roll a die. And if it is equal to or greater than the stomping charge value on their war scroll, which is anywhere from a 2 plus to a 6 plus, uh, that unit takes D3 mortal wounds. Um, And if this unit has more than one model, do not allocate the mortal wounds until all of the models in this unit have made their charge moves. So if it's a unit of three, they each get to do their thing after all three of the models have moved because otherwise you could potentially like cheek off and prevent stomping charge attacks 
Right. So they also have stuff them in me bag. So they have to, after they pile in, they pick an enemy model within three inches and roll a die. And on a, if it's at least double, that model is slain. So cool. It's kind of like the pick up and throw, except it's just the pick up. Right. Um, and then they have timber. So when they die, players roll off um, and they roll whoever wins the roll-off gets to pick a point within three inches of that model, or the point of the battlefield three inches from the Gargan. Um, and each unit within two inches of that point takes D3 mortal wounds, unless it is a Gargant. And then it dies, and is removed. And that one is like the other rule, except the other rule when they fall, it's if it's a Mega Gargant. So Gargants would take mm-hmm. damage if a Mega Gargant falls. Here, because Mega Gargants have both Mega Gargant and Gargant rules, if a Gargant falls then Gargants and Mega Gargants don't take any damage from them. Right, so if a Gargant falls in a forest. <laughs> so, okay, let's just run down the... Say, okay, so uh, 490 points for one of the Megas, unless you take the War Stomper, he's only 480. Right. 180 points per gar- Man Crusher, unless you take three and then it's 480, which is a nice discount because three individually... Wind up costing you uh, five forty, so you save sixty points that way. Mm-hmm. And like you said before, uh, they're battle line. But if you take a unit of three each, basically each man crusher gargant counts as um, battle lines and not behemoths, right? Battlefield rules, battle line, not behemoth, and maximum size units count as three. What if you take a unit of two? That counts as one. That counts as one. So if you take one, it counts as a battle line. If you take three, it counts as all three battle line. But if you take a unit of two, and why would you do something like that, I guess, um, then it only counts. Okay. So that's it. That's your whole army. Four. And uh, faction is Sons of Bayamot. Allies, none. Nobody joins these guys. They may, you may mercenary them out. But ain't nobody mercenarying into this group. So it's not like you, you, you can't add Gotrek to this army or anything silly like that. No. All right. So, Alex, now I'm, I'm handing this one over to you at this point. Um, I mean, there's, there's, like, there's not too much you can build. I mean, this army is going to be between, the way I figure it, six and ten models total. That's correct. I mean, and there's no real other options. You have six to ten models. No, it's either three megas and one unit of three man crushers. Um, Then you have the two megas and six man crushers in some combination. And then the one mega and nine man crushers. Yeah. So it's really all you get. That's it. So um, now. I, I do like each of these mega gargants. Like you, not there's not one of these that you're like, oh, that's the one I'm taking. I mean, the, 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 according to your play style, you may just gravitate towards one, but all three of these are legit. Mm-hmm. Like you can make several different. You're not just going to roll up and constantly find one particular. I mean, yeah, they're all similar. There's only ten, six to ten models in the whole stupid army, but. There's variety. There's a surprising amount of variety in this army. So what kind of 
you know this army better than most of us. What do you? What are your some of your tips? I think personally, um, the way to start playing Sons of Bahama is to do the War Stomper build. So that's the one stomper and nine man crushers. Um, now is that, that the two units of three and three units of three one? Three units of one. Okay, yeah. and that'll put you to nine eighty or nineteen eighty. So you may sneak a triumph in there, uh, which is always a good thing. Uh, but the big thing by doing it that way is you're going to get as many gargants as you're going to need ever. Um, it's also the cheapest way to start, um, dollar for dollar. And it's because actually it, not a huge swing in price either. I think it's I, not. I, I put it, it together. Is. You're going to spend about 800 bucks on this army unless you want to go and buy two more. Like if you buy one mega and nine small guys... It's about eight hundred bucks. If you buy three megas and three small guys, it's still around eight hundred bucks. Um, now, if you want to just give yourself all the options on the planet and get three mega gargants and three, then it's your cost. Your army's jumping up to about twelve hundred bucks. But honestly, I mean, now granted, two hundred dollars for a model is a lot. Like I, I, I was surprised at that. I'm not gonna lie, I was surprised right. at that. Like I, I sit here all the time and be like, hey, look, uh, you know. This is a hobby. You spend your extra money on it. If it's too expensive, don't buy it. But when I'm looking at $200 for a model, I mean, I remember when I bought, uh, you know, Nagash, I think it was like, what, 140 or something like that, or 115 or I was like, ooh, that's mm -hmm. kind of a lot. And the prices have gone up, and I'm not one to sit here and complain about prices, but that was a bit of a shock. Um, it I, is until you consider what you get in the box, um, because you're getting three builds, so all that extra plastic does cost money. Um, you do get a bevy of bits like the regular Guardian kits provides. If you're good um, at magnetizing, you can do, not the Kraken Eater, but the right. other two, you can magnetize and get two in one on that one. Correct. Um, I'm not good at magnetizing, but I'm just saying. Now, I, did, I remember saying $800 is not much for an army, and a lot of people responded with like the, uh, the, uh, the Daughters of Cain uh, player looking, <laughs> looking over there going, yeah, no, $800 is not a lot for an army. It's not because you, when you think about the total cost, it's not that much. The issue is you're buying it on a per kit basis, so it is a lot more because you're buying bigger chunks of dollars at once. You can't dabble as much with this. It, you, there's no, and this is happening a lot. You're seeing if if I want to maybe start an army and maybe like you know you see a lot of these thousand point games. And I you don't can't even, do it with sons. No, you can't do it with sons. But there's other armies, and there's even in 40k, yeah. there's lots of armies that it's like, oh, I might want to start a small force of that, play some small games, and maybe build up. But when you have these centerpiece models that are really cool that people want that are getting close to two hundred dollars, I know for a fact that people I've spoken to are balking at starting that army because they are not even thinking like nope not even interested in paying two hundred dollars for a model and yes you get a lot and yes you only have to buy four models or five models or whatever but the idea of paying two hundred dollars per model does have some people rolling their eyes and i mean i'm not gonna lie games workshop sent me a book and and they sent me a mega gargant 
And I looked at that and said, wow, I could actually, and you could ally it in? You know, hey, you know, um, the only armies we have that we play, I mean, Harrison's got a chaos, or got a, Harrison's got a, an order army, and Kira, and, we, and I play all of the, with all the toys because I'm the only one who screws around with them as much. You know, Kira's got destruction. I could make one of those mega gargants that you can ally in, you know, and I could make a whole army. Then it's like, okay, I could do that, but then it's like I still got to drop, if I actually want to play this army, I got to drop another six, 700 bucks. And you got to drop it in one shot because you can't, like you said, you can't start a 1,000-point army. You got to drop that in one shot. I don't think you do it that way, though. I think you buy it a kit at a time and build it up. Yeah, but then, okay, so I buy a kit a month and I build it up, or I buy a kit every few weeks. I'm still dropping several hundred a month, and then I'm not getting to play with it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, I'm I'm not saying, I'm just saying, okay? It's, you got if you want to play this army, you're going to have, and you want to play it now, you got to drop the whole thing at once. There's no other sure. way about it. And you can say that for any army. But with these other armies, you know, if I get a starter box or, you know, something like that, you know, hey, I got a four or 500 point here. I could play a couple of small games, maybe add a couple of units. I drop another 100 or 200 and I got a small force and I can play. And if I really like it, later I can add more stuff in while I'm still playing my other armies. Here... And it, this, granted, this is a unique situation. But until I until I bought until I dropped everything for everything, I'm not playing this. I'm playing with my other stuff and just building this up slow. So it's the the uh, what do you? I don't know how do I want to put this. The uh, the you joy can do this, thousand points games of this army, but you can't do like five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but you can't do like meaning engagement with sons because of how the restrictions work. True. So, but the real point is, um, it's a different frame of mind for building this army than a traditional army. Yeah. Th- th- because you're not th- going to have as many models, but you're going to spend the same amount of dollars just in a different way. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that instant gratification of I got it, I could put it together, I can throw it on the table. I've got, I've got a, I got to buy a two thousand point army all at once to do that with this. It's the same thing with like Imperial Knights for forty k. Yeah, um, but those still fly off the shelves. People still play those. I'm not so saying you shouldn't. I mean, if you can afford it and you want to do it, do it. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, you. You know, complain all you want. This is my hobby. I spend my extra cash on this. If I don't have extra cash, I don't buy it. If I have extra cash, I'm usually down at at uh, Grognards buying this stuff. So, you know, I, I don't care either way personally. You know what I'm saying? What, what, if I ever get ca- if I ever get priced out of the hobby, then I'm priced out of the hobby. But right now, I'm not. I'm fortunate. I have some cash. I just I understand people looking at this and balking at it. That's all I'm saying. Sure. It's it's kind of shocking. 200 bucks for one model is is a surprise. That's all I'm saying. And it's smaller than Archeon and it's less points than Archeon, like I get it, but by the same token, it's fine, folks. And really right now is the best time to start doing Sons of Behemoth, not just because it's new shiny, but we have no events going on right now. 
this is your time if you want to do it and you can take advantage of the situation where you can put this army together, spend time on painting it because you're not going to be playing a lot of games right now. So say when you when we come out of this on the other side sometime next year, um, you now have a fully painted army ready to go stomp on things. And realistically, the people that are going to be playing Sons of Bahamut are the people that just want to be like stomp, garg, and stomp. But they still have the tactical play to appeal to the top end players as well. Yeah, no, I think I think this army. I when when the book was first getting circulated around and the rules were first coming around, you heard everyone saying, "This is the dumbest army ever. It's the worst army. It'll you can't play with it." Um, and I, I, you know, I. I always take first reactions with a grain of salt because until you actually see the book, you never know. Because obviously, Warhammer Community drops a bunch of rules here and a bunch of rules there, but they don't drop everything everywhere. So, you know, you don't know. Um, gosh, this is this 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 just seems like a lot of fun. Like I don't have the dough to drop and play this army right now, but it's tempting. Yeah, it, it is, is totally. Plus, you can't because every time I look online, all of the uh, the 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 non mega gargants they're sold out. Like nobody has them right now. Yeah, because this is still going to be a popular army because you can customize these kits to the nth degree um, to make them your unique, your your own thing, and it's one of those things that it really truly doesn't matter. As long as you're basing the same, these guys can look as unique and as individual as you want. So, yeah. No, it's a fun army. I'm looking forward to to playing it eventually and playing against it. It looks like it's going to be cool. So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, my as far as like list building, my personal thing, uh, start with the War Stomper route. Um, get all your man crushers because you won't need any more than that. Um, and then you can branch off into the other ones. Um, I know it's tempting just to go for the triple uh, Mega Gargan and the three little ones, um, but I don't think you're going to get the tactical flexibility out of it that you need to play this game competitively. So I personally would do two and six or the one and nine. So that's just me. I keep thinking one and nine personally, but that's, like I said, I just... I think the two and six has play in a breaker tribe. Um, like I know the Kraken eaters have like the most powerful artifacts and probably the more powerful of the traits. Um, but I keep looking at like the war stompers and the gate breakers because they make your army better at doing what it needs to do with the Kraken eaters. You make them more for claiming objectives, but they're not going to help the rest of the boys do what they're supposed to do as much. Okay, I see that. So, I mean, obviously do what you like. I mean, obviously I'm sure there's going to be somebody who can play the Kraken Gears really effectively. I don't know if I would go that route. I definitely would probably lean more towards War Stomper or Gatebreaker. So. War Stomper seems really cool to me, but man, I do like the Kraken Eater. It just seems cool. It just, it yeah. really calls to me and I, I just like it. Now, as far as, like, the allies ones, I think the Kraken Eater has a worthy shout in Deepkin. Only because if you play Iron Rock, all your allies get the Tide's Death. 
Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. Now, but, here's doesn't the Kraken Eater have that thing where if he if he chooses, he fights last? Yep. Doesn't the one of the Tides of Death thing mess that up? It's models fight at the start of the combat phase, but if he chooses to do something else, okay, this rule would overwrite it. So okay. he would get around that, but it's still the counting is in cover turn one, which he doesn't care about. The second turn he gets to run and charge. Uh, turn three is the ASF turn. Uh, four is retreat and charge. So I think he's got a worthy uh, play there. Um, and then I really think the Gatebreaker has a spot in Nighthaunt uh, because they don't have any big stompy monsters. Um, and they have a lot of attacks, but they don't have a lot of rend really across that army. So. Okay. And they don't care about terrain either. Ah, that's true. So, so if he smashes terrain apart, it's not going to affect them at all. Interesting. All right. If anything, it helps them because then stuff can't get cover. They're not going to be as affected by the extra crazy stuff unless it's beneficial. It's like you can blow up the negative things to your army and you can keep the positive ones alive as far as terrain features are concerned. <laughs> so... Nice. Um, yeah, I think there's some play for these guys as mercenaries. I don't think we're going to see it terribly often, but I think there's closet cases where they could take part. All right. So. All right. Well, the I guess I guess that's it. We're done, aren't yeah. we? All right. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, some more madness for you all. Uh, but before we go, I do want to take one more moment to thank the Patreon sponsors, our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Mike Paustian, our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patron, Billy Scheitz. Um, guys, thank you all for deciding that this show is worth being part of the 1% or almost 1% of listeners who uh, give in, well, give all this stuff to, to help the show. So thank you very much. Um, Alex, Dave, thank you for your expertise. No problem. All right, happy uh, to do it. It was <laughs> this was a book I've been looking forward to talking about for a while, um, and it just took for freaking ever to get out because you know, plague. Yeah. So, I you know I don't like the plague, but I kind of welcome the break in in the in just the pace of the stuff that's been coming out. Uh, yeah. We're still seven books behind, I think, in reviewing. So we already have yeah. we have the next few months lined up for us. But hey, we were able to do one army lore and war in one show. Yeah. I mean it helps that there's no no magic and and uh, and, and No only, battalions. And, and no battalions and only four units. But there you go. Alright folks, um, I, I guess we're done. And um, we'll be back in a few weeks. So until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes. Or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, 
garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.